0: Sound check. Uh, could you mouth the blue ball for a second and tell me what you had for breakfast
1: today? For breakfast, I had egg whites, onions, chicken, and one slice of bacon.
0: How much weight have you gained in the last twelve months? Forty pounds. Optimal minimum. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start
1: shaking.
0: Can I ask you a personal question? Now it is a perfect time i a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal and This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, Why, hello, squirrels, chipmunks, and muskrats. Why, muskrats? Don't be racist. We welcome everybody here because this is the Tim Ferriss Show, where my job is to attempt to deconstruct world-class performers and teachers, whether they are investors, chess prodigies, actors, musicians, or entrepreneurs in this particular case. This episode features Noah Kagan. Noah Kagan is a friend of mine I've known for many years. He was number 30 at Facebook, number 4 at Mint.com, which was sold for God knows how much money. I think $100-plus million, and is the chief Sumo, i.e. co-founder of SumoMe.com, which offers free tools to help grow web traffic, among other things. Also a top-rated taco connoisseur. I'm not sure we're going to get into that, but he has, most important, created four products that have made more than seven figures. And that is what we're going to delve into in this particular episode. Lots of tactics, tools, routines, and so on that Noah has used himself and has helped other people to use. And Noah was also my co co-teacher in the Tim Ferriss Experiment episode, Build a Business, where we led Cindy, a novice entrepreneur, into scaling and launching her business in one week. And there are a lot of the behind-the-scenes goodies where if you go to iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss, that is two R's and two S's. Uh, iTunes.com forward slash Tim Ferriss. I think there's an hour of bonus footage with some really nitty gritty call script sales and marketing stuff that I think you will enjoy. But this episode by itself super strong standalone lots of takeaways lots of resources and if you don't want to write it all down you can get the show notes at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast that's four hour f-o-u-r-h-o-u-r fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast without further ado here is monsieur noah kagan enjoy noah my man welcome to the show thank you for having me tim I have been looking forward to this for quite a while because every time we talk and we've known each other for years, I come away with notes upon notes of things that I want to test or try. So I'm hoping and expecting sternly, like an angry father. Yeah, that's act. a lot of pressure. <laughs> this episode will <laughs> have the same. Uh, but for people who don't have uh, too much context, uh, you were number 30 at Facebook Ah, uh, you were number four employee at Mint, which sold to Intuit for hundred plus million dollars, and you've created multiple products now that have earned seven figures. Uh, what else should people know, perhaps as background, or what would you like to tell them about as context? I thought that was pretty good, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow, whoever that guy is, he sounds pretty good. We'll hire that man, speechwriter. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, you know, the the only other thing is, is, like, I came out like a lot of people were listening. You know, I came out of Berkeley or whatever college you came out to, and I worked at a corporate job at Intel, sitting in a cubicle. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really use networking or any of that kind of stuff to kind of eventually go to these kind of cool companies uh, and be able to create my own businesses that, you know, give me the freedom to do a lot of things I want to do.
0: And you are in Austin, Texas. Is that right?
1: Yes, sir. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Bay Area, about a mile and a half from the Apple headquarters.
0: So near Cupertino somewhere. Um, Yeah, I grew up in Cupertino. The question of why there has been a mass exodus, it would seem, from cities like New York City and San Francisco to Austin is one I've never really heard uh, you answer. So maybe I can just ask you: Why is Austin becoming such a hotbed, and why did you choose to move to Austin?
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually interned like in 2000, about 10 years ago, and I came out here, and uh, I never heard of the place. I didn't even know. I mean, in Texas now, it's you know because of the internet, people know that there's a uh, there's places inside of Texas. They have like photos, uh, but I never knew what Austin was about. And I came here, and I had like sex with this person, and then I got drunk. And it was like, like, what's that book, Lord of the Flies, where it's like the young kids take over an island? Yes. It's basically like that, but we have a city. (laughs) (laughs) So I came here and I was like, how come no one else is here? You know, you're paying half as much as the Bay Area for housing. Uh, We actually see grass, a lot of grass around us. Um, You got a lot of tacos, which is what I'm known for. And it's like one of the capitals of tacos in the nation. And it's kind of like, um, you know, it's like what the Bay Area was probably like 10 years before now. It's just like you're packed and you're paying insane prices. Uh, and I think also fundamentally, there's a few key things for me. But fundamentally, I just, I didn't want to also just be around startups talking about their funding uh, all day long. And right. so Austin provided a lifestyle for me where it was more affordable, really attractive women, uh, really good outside life. Like I, if I, when I leave the office, I have a good lifestyle. Uh, it just really fit that fit that balance. And that's why I think it's, you know, it's one of the fastest growing cities in the nation right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite cities. I almost moved there after college. Actually, it was between uh, Austin and SF, and I didn't make it to the final round of interviews for Trilogy Software. So that made oh, the wow. decision for me. So I was came very close. I could have forked another way and ended up in Austin.
1: Did you uh, uh, did you get fl- like flown out in like first class in the limo experience with
0: Trilogy? I don't think I made it that far. I think oh, they wow. I think they recognized. <laughs> a, a terrible potential employee very quickly and decided that uh, <laughs> I would be more trouble than I was worth, which is probably accurate. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hear, you know, what's funny about that.
1: Like I got a job offer. Well, I, I apply, I've applied for Google twice and I've been rejected twice and it, I'm like, is Google really good or am I that bad? <laughs> um, <laughs> or is it just like, I meant to kind of run my own thing. And, you know, I remember when I did my interview at Google, I couldn't remember how to do division. <laughs> And uh, <laughs>
0: that, that makes it hard to get a job at Google, I'd imagine. <laughs> I was
1: like, dude, I gotta use my cal I gotta use my phone. I gotta, do you mind He's like? Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, it's I, not, you're I, not gonna get the job, dude.
0: He's like, if you don't, if you can't do 12 times 12, Noah, I'm sorry, I have some bad news. Unless you want to interview no. for our cafeteria jobs. No,
1: I know multiplication. I'm good. It was the division, man. <laughs> anyway, so Austin, I mean, coming back to it, it was just more of uh, after being the bear around engineers and all that stuff in my life, I wanted something a little more affordable women and outside and, and just kind of like a slower lifestyle. I would say for younger people, I would actually recommend going to these busier cities because you're surrounding yourself with like hungry, hungry people. But younger, really,
0: what age would you say that is? I'm saying
1: up until 30, I would say in like a really populated city personally. And that's what I did because you're around people that are hustling and it's really inspiring and it's motivating and there's a meetup every day. And we, you know, we have that in Austin, but it's nowhere near the level of the Bay area or New York. Yeah. And so I'd say if you're younger I would want to be around that and get connections to that and experience that because you' I mean if you look in Austin like how many big companies have come out of Austin Tim like name two
0: Dell and blank I'm sure there are others <laughs> Will, you could okay Willie, so Willie is Nels- actually really good Willie that Nelson biofuels what'd you
1: say I said Willie Nelson biofuels <laughs> Willie Nelson dude I mean I was gonna say like a weed joke but like name name two that came out of the Bay Area I mean you could go on for days right. Yeah.
0: So, and and that's a different question. Yeah. And you have a density in SF that you don't have in Austin. Namely, I guess what I mean by that is you have the peninsula in the Bay Area, but just within San Francisco, you have, let's just call it 700,000 people very densely packed in. So getting to events, meeting new people, uh, bumping into the icons or billionaires you want to meet is as easy as going to a handful of different coffee shops, whereas in Austin, in my experience, having gone to South by Southwest so many times, it's more spread out, much like Los Angeles. So those types of serendipitous moments are a little harder to engineer. I mean, the,
1: the funniest one for me, I was walking in San Francisco a few years ago and I'm talking about PayPal with my friend Boris. And, and then I'm like, oh my God, literally the guy walking in front of us was Peter Thiel. And I was like, Peter, we had a question about PayPal. Do you mind if I ask you? And <laughs>
0: that's, the, the, I that's, like, the, that's the co-founder of PayPal for people wondering uh, yeah. who's also like, the oh. first money into Facebook. And uh, another, actually another guest on the podcast as well. Uh, the, the place I'd like to go next, and I think maybe working backwards makes sense here. I, I'd love to experiment with just front-loading front this episode with a lot of tools and tactics that people can, can play with uh, as soon as they listen to this episode. What are some of the tools, uh, whether they're apps or otherwise, that you are really into at the moment or that you find extremely useful?
1: Yeah. So the, I'll give you my like, top things that, that I use and I think everyone should literally use right now and go do these things. Number one, and this is – it's not even an app or anything. It's speeding up your mouse pad it's the number one productivity hack because you're on your computer almost all the day. Go to your settings, speed up your mousepad double what you're at. It takes a few minutes to get used to, but you realize like, holy crap, everything starts at the top. So speed up your mouse pad and everything will get faster. Hmm. I really love that one. Because anytime I'm on someone slower, I'm like, wow, you're so slow. What's wrong? Is your computer broken?
0: So you just go to system preferences and then keyboard and then mouse trackpad. Actually, it's one of those three, I'm sure. Yeah, trackpad. Yeah, you click on trackpad. And then you go to your tracking
1: speed and move it to the basically almost the fastest. And then your keyboard is, or your, the way that you get around the computer is significantly faster. Got it. Uh, let me just go through a list of things that I love. Um, sure. Other things on the computer Alfred app. If you're not using Alfred app, it's free. And basically, instead of having to even move your mouse, you can just hit uh, a, a launch bar and then type in whatever app you want, and it'll automatically load it. So if I wanted to open Firefox, I can just hit uh, Command Spacebar, type FI. Hit enter and it's loaded instead of me having to move my mouse anywhere on the screen.
0: Now, is that uh, I've I've heard of Alfred before. I use uh, I guess it's Spotlight uh, just built into the OS. On oh, Mac Spotlight's that? way slower, man. It's just a lot slower. It's
1: way slower. And with Alfred app, you can do contacts. I can do math with it sometimes uh, when I need help. A lot it. of the times, okay. Got it. When I have to do those divisions, so Alfred app is an awesome one, especially for getting around your Mac. I don't know if they have a PC version yet, but who uses PC? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you ever feel bad when they have like when people are using Hotmail or PC? I'm like, bro, is uh, everything okay? Is there... <laughs> okay, let me go. I'm gonna go more because I know I want to get meaty stuff. To yeah, people. yeah. We, we um, I use so let's get into apps like web and other things for this is one is a killer one. It's a Chrome extension called Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator. Hmm. And this one is amazing. And I used to work at Facebook and I know all of us, you, you have this like weird thing where you're so used to going to Facebook, you just type in FA and your hand, you can't even control it. And so you install the Facebook newsfeed eradicator, you go to Facebook and it blocks your newsfeed. And then you get there and I do it, I probably do it 10 times a day I go to Facebook and I get there and there's nothing there. And I'm like, well, I guess there's nothing for me to do today. Everyone's asleep. <laughs> and I go back to my work um, because I, I think people are looking for so many different productivity hacks. I just try to focus on the big ones that are really helpful. And that one is huge because I go to Facebook, nothing's happening, go back to my day and get the things done I want to get done. Um, I use Schedule once.
0: Yeah, great program. Me too. Love Schedule. you use that too? I do. Yeah. It was introduced to me by Andrew uh, Warner of Mixergy who's done thousands of interviews and I I as soon as he booked me using that, so I was the one who was picking in time. He, he made time. you do that. He made Tim Ferris on that. I don't blame him though. If he was yeah, a, no, he, it's so nice, and it's it prevents so much confusion. Do you want to just explain with the how? Sure. So good. The
1: reason I like it, uh, they have a ninety nine dollar year plan. Make sure you find that one because they have all these different options, but you can get in there and get the ninety nine dollar a year one, I believe. And the nicest thing about it is, it's such an annoying thing. So like, if me and Tim wanted to meet, I'd be like, Tim, are you free next Tuesday at four? You'd have to come back and say, no, how about Wednesday? And then blah, 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 blah. With schedule Once, it connects automatically to your calendar. When you send it to someone, you could set your preferences. So like, I have very specific preferences. Like I don't do meetings on Thursday. I don't do meetings before 10 a.m. I don't do meetings during lunchtime. I don't do meetings after five. And and I only do meetings for 15 minutes because I really, if it's longer than that, like we need to figure out why it's going so long. And then basically I send that to you and I say, hey, Tim, let's talk for that kind of period. Uh, and then it makes it really easy for you to just compare that to your schedule, choose the time, it auto goes into my calendar, and we're done.
0: Yeah, and and one of the other benefits uh, that I noticed, number one, the first thing someone will see when they click the link to grab a time is it'll say, set your time zone. Totally. And that, and that avoids all of the confusion, like, oh, sorry, I thought it was 4 p.m. CST and not PST, and then you have to book it again. It avoids all of that. It sends reminders to people. Uh, I've been using it, for instance, if I'm doing – Let's just say recording, and I don't typically do this, but if I'm if if I were recording five podcasts in a day, or I had some type of batching like that, I would block out an entire day in say one hour increments or two hour increments, and then have everybody just pick the time that is remaining and available. Because it also happens if you're emailing separate people competing for a certain day. Let's just say you'll you'll book one person, then the other person will want the same time, and it's just a huge headache. So this thing saves just dozens of hours of headache totally totally worth it Um, Uh, other ones oh excuse me yeah no go for it
1: Uh, other ones follow up.cc uh this is my one of my secret weapons uh i basically can never forget anything it's like i call it my jewish mother in my inbox because my mom never forgets anything she writes everything down (laughs) Um, and so what follow up cc does is like if i'm emailing tim which you know we do from time to time i'll email tim and in my BCC, I'll put when I want to rem- remember it. So what it does is that I'll put like one day at followupcc.cc. And in a day, it'll email me back and say, hey, here's the email that you sent and the reminder about it. So you can do this for people. Be like, hey, I'll check in with you in two months or I'll follow up with, you know, even for things you want to do as a to-do. Like, let me do this in two months or let me check this email in a week. You can either forward it or BCC it and it'll automatically remind you. And I've just found that it basically helps me never forget anything uh, cause sometimes you just keep it in your inbox and I personally don't want anything in my inbox if I can. And this helps me move out anything or remember anything that I want. So I highly recommend that. Yeah.
0: Automating follow ups, Super.
1: Yeah. Cool. It's just so nice. I mean, and there's t- email tracking tools for opens and stuff like that. I just want to follow up kind of the lightest way, easiest for me to use. Um, other tools that I've been using a lot. I'm using perch.co is totally free, uh, for everyone who's doing, I know a lot of your people are starting either starting or running their own businesses. Perch provides free, um, people to people like uh, webcams. So we have four people that work remote and it's kind of weird cause they're like, what the hell are these guys doing in the office? And we're wondering what they're doing sometimes. And so perch gives you the chance if you have two iPads or two phones uh, to see each other. And so it helps for communication and also just like being a part of a team versus like a random remote person.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that one.
1: I really like that one. Um, I like my fitness. So I'll go to a few on the phone and web. They're, they're kind of mixed. I use my fitnesspal.com almost. Well, I use it every day. Um, And I use it because if you really want to lose weight or gain weight, which we're you know we can talk about a bit. I've gained forty pounds in the past four months, and now I'm losing forty pounds in the next five months or six months. Um, Just just so people
0: understand what's going on here. Oh, how much how much of the forty would you say is muscle versus fat? Well, I don't know the exact. I didn't. I probably should have been more. If you had to estimate how much of that is muscle, probably like half and half, maybe. I don't know the exact number. I think it's a bit more, honestly. So just we'll come back to this, guys, but. Noah sent me a picture of himself. I hadn't seen him in about 6 months and could not recognize the guy. Uh, now granted you're hitting a bicep pose in the uh, gym. No you weren't. I'm kidding. But it was a shot from the gym and I was just like what the hell no, you do it a, yourself. It was, an, it was a naked selfie dude. Come on. It a, it's Tuesday. It naked selfie Tuesdays that's kind of our routine. Uh, <laughs> right. so we'll come back to that but what, do you, talk about what that, do you what do you use uh my fitness pal for?
1: So I use my fitness pal and I track every single thing I eat and it, and it's not so much that I want to be OCD and obsessive about like Oh, I have to track everything and I want to count everything. But it gives me, if you really want to accomplish something, and this is a tool that if you want to lose five pounds, it'll say like, eat this amount of calories and this much macros. And in four weeks, you'll hit five pounds. And so it's like, well, why wouldn't I do that? And it just makes me more accountable to help me hit the objectives of what I want to hit. And so it's like, am I under my macros and the amounts I want to be hitting today or not? And it just makes my life so much simpler to, to be able to figure that out. And over time, you kind of even know, you start knowing what you're you know, much more about the food that you're actually putting in your mouth about, like how much protein a chicken has versus steak versus like, a, um, you know, like a Quest bar, which is one of my favorite protein bars.
0: No, definitely. And uh, for those people wondering what macros are, uh, that's just referring to macronutrients. So the the what percentage of the food you're eating, calories you're eating are coming from fat, protein, or carbohydrates generally. And then when people refer to micronutrients, those would be, say, the trace minerals and so on and so forth, vitamins. boom. Uh, oh. There we go. And I'm actually experimenting with some some somewhat unusual macros right now, which are about 80% fat calories, 15% protein, and 5% or less carbohydrates, typically less than 30 grams a day, just to optimize for brain function as opposed to body function, which is working pretty well. Uh, What have you noticed about that? uh, I've noticed that when I hit – and I'm using a device called the Precision Extra with XTRA for tracking ketones – uh, at, at a very precise level that you would hope since it's called the precision extra, uh, it gives you a readout in millimolars. So instead of peeing on a keto sticks, these things you can buy at Walgreens or wherever to indicate if you're in ketosis or not, you can get a concentration. So I'll prick my finger and check it and it'll say, Oh, you're at 0.7 millimolars or 1.5 millimolars. And for my optimal mental performance, I've just noticed that I perform best at between, say, 1.1 and uh, let's just call it 1.7 millimolars. And my my belief up to this point, because I hadn't had a good tool. That was a nice quest bar burp. Uh, uh, up to this point has been the deeper the ketosis, the better my brain will perform because the brain likes ketones. But for me, that doesn't appear to be the case. So I've been able to get super specific and sort of use my the food I put in my mouth like a sniper shot for – Mental performance, which is awesome. Uh-huh. So th- that's been the the primary benefit. And along with that, I've noticed, for instance, all of my morning fatigue for say the first half hour of the day is completely gone. I mean, a hundred percent gone. I wake up and I'm ready to go, which has has never been the case when I'm carb dependent. So
1: that's interesting. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking. I think a lot about. I mean, I think we don't think about how much we how much sleep affects us, and we all know sleep more and it's better. Um, I actually used to work in bed sheets at Macy's. Um. <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, now you worked in bedsheets like you were selling bedsheets or you'd wrap yeah, yourself sold, up like Casper, Casper the Ghost and go to work? No, I sold bedsheets to old women uh, on commission.
0: Huh. How old, that, were you, how old were you when you did that? That was in
1: high school. <sighs> All right. And uh, so I learned a lot about like bedding and I also worked in uh, towels. But one of the things I was going to suggest is like we're, we're talking about apps and tools. I think a lot of people don't think about their physical tools. So uh, I've tried to optimize my bed. Uh, I think I've done a pretty good job. So the, the company that I use, the company on Amazon, uh, the one that I just tried actually a week ago that I'm going to be upgrading to is called Tuft & Needle. It's a lot like uh, these like kind of hipster guys out in Arizona, really nice. And they have like this super comfortable mattress. And then I found there's a guy, literally he's like in the middle Midwest, Midwest. He looks like your your uncle and he created a
0: thing called My Pillow. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. I've heard of Tuft & Needle though. That, one, that name has come up a couple of times among friends. So I have to take a look at those guys.
1: Yeah, I can put you in, t- in touch with them. I, I I went and slept on it and laid on it like a few days ago. It was great, and uh, then and I'm gonna upgrade to that. They have a and then I use a pillow called My Pillow, which is like tri foamed. I don't even know what he does, but it's really good. Um, yeah. Because what I realized is like the more that I'm comfortable in bed, I just feel better. Absolutely. Like, and I wake up, you know, feeling you know pretty damn good every morning. And I use a company called Parachute for the bedding, uh, and so those are the kind of the combination that I've been using. And I'm like, damn, I'm feeling
0: really good when I wake up in the morning from all that stuff. And what, uh, what does the, just to, to come back to two things, um, sure. or a few things, the nightly rituals, what do what what the last, say, two hours of your days typically look like? And when do you go to bed, when do you wake up, et cetera? My night varies a bit more. Um, but
1: what I do at night is I try to put myself to sleep by reading. Uh, I notice I would, I'd try to watch shows or anything like that. And then I just get stimulated. So I'll go to bed and, I, you know, I won't always have to read a business book, which my brother always kind of gave me crap about. Like there's other things besides nonfiction. Uh, so I've been reading like Jack Reacher books. Like <laughs> I don't know if anyone has, comp, you know, suggestions for books that are fiction that are good. Like The Martian was probably one of the best books of the Jack year. Jack
0: Reacher. Is that – That's a, those are graphic novels or what are those? Uh,
1: it's, it's the movie Tom Cruise was in, which uh, was surprisingly uh, good last year. Got it. Um, but I'll read – I'll basically just try to read and that helps me go to sleep versus stimulating me. Uh, like I would watch shows like Big Love, which wasn't that good. Um, or now I'm watching Daredevil. But basically, yeah, I realized like, if I watch that stuff in bed, I don't go to sleep. So now I just do books instead. And I've been doing that for a little while. Um, so like The Martian was an amazing fiction book. It's probably yeah. one of the best in the past year or two. Th-
0: that's that the, the whole story of The Martian, I think, it, what's his name? Andrew Wire or Weir, something like that. The whole story of how that was, uh, I guess, self-published or very, very small to start with. And just developed a massive cult following then the audio book was a huge, huge blockbuster hit and it's taken off. And I think it's now being developed into a movie or maybe the movie's already yeah. out. And I love that type of story. It's just like Fifty Shades of Grey. Everyone turned it down um, and it just became a viral sensation on its own, which then led to it becoming a blockbuster. Like the book, um, Go the Fuck to Sleep, the, the children's book that was leaked as a PDF among people in the publishing world became this huge buzz item and then became a bestseller. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. What time do you typically go to bed and when have you found you perform best or how, how do you perform best in terms of going to bed and waking up? What, what are the, so one thing I do is I
1: don't keep a phone in my room. I think that's a common thing. We wake up and we have the phone right in our room and we just get all stimulated by that. So I keep my phone in a separate room always. Um, I'm going to see varies. I think when I'm excited, like the, remember that guy, Steve Pavlina from like five to 10 years ago, he had really sure. good content. Yeah. He was very like strict about wake up at this time and don't wake up at this time. So I've changed my routines in the past year and it's helped me where one, I sleep in darkness now. So I don't sleep with natural light uh, and I don't really use an alarm and I've noticed I wake up a little later now, but when I wake up, I don't need coffee and I feel more refreshed and that's just what's worked for me. Mm. So I wake – I think now – I used to be waking up at 7.30 and I'd have to go to like do my old man pee. I don't know if you know. Do you do that at home?
0: Oh, I, well, I'm a bit of a uh, water hog. So I usually wake up also in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, which uh, – yeah, I've had my prostate checked. Uh, <laughs> love the experience. Just kidding. Uh, but no, I, I, I you know, I, I've checked out all that stuff. I just drink too much water. So yeah, I get up and I do the old man pee once or twice probably.
1: Yeah. So I just found I slept better. So I moved my bed to dark and I know Tucker Max, our mutual friend does that as well. Um, and then when I wake up, I try not to just go get overly stimulated with like my phone and everything already happening. And so my morning routine, and then I actually find that the days I'm not having coffee in the morning, I'm like, Oh, I slept better. And when I've been sleeping in darkness, that's been happening. Um, and then I try to stay away from my phone for the first hour of my morning. So I spend the first hour making ideally the same breakfast every morning. And I generally will rotate that every three months. And so like now my breakfast is, is one cup egg whites, two eggs uh, with 2% cheese. And so I'll have that in the morning for breakfast and then I'll read for the next 30 minutes. And you just scramble all that up together? Yeah. I you actually did what you recommended in one of your early YouTube videos where I microwave it. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the, th- th- kind of the, the three-minute low carb breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, damn,
1: you can microwave eggs? Now I like microwave everything. Um, no, but I've actually found like you know it's relaxing and I like that I'm eating the same thing so I don't have to think about it because sometimes actually – we you have to think about dinner or lunch or breakfast. It's kind of tiring. Yeah. Um it's like, oh what the hell am I going to do? And then you have to process all this extra energy that I don't really want to. And so then I try to create a routine where it's like breakfast first thing and then it's
0: uh reading a book, whatever I'm interested in at that time. So the I'd love to dig a bit on the books because I know you've read a lot uh and you've mentioned books to me before, like uh, well, there there are many, but uh, I think one one of them I found very helpful and have recommended to my startups, which is uh, Who, and maybe hmm. you could, maybe you could explain uh, or introduce that book and some of the others that you found very helpful uh, for for business and just for designing your own style of business. Sure. The uh, one thing I, before I forget, Tim. One thing I, I've noticed
1: there, there's two kind of there's well, many attributes, but I always think it's interesting to try to understand like what are the fundamentals of successful people like you and other people that it's like oh what are they doing that regular people aren't and the two things I've noticed is one I haven't really met any super successful people that don't read I don't know if you've noticed that yeah, it's
0: very it's very unusual yeah it's, I've, I've never met like
1: oh yeah I don't really read anything I don't really do anything and the second thing is this is one that everyone can do today and I do it every day I even do it in hotels which and it's not something perverted. Um,
0: it's, <laughs>
1: I know that's what you guys it's not, think.
0: it's not exclusively something perverted
1: Yeah Let's be clear no, right. they, uh, <laughs> I make my bed every day I don't know if yeah. everyone else does that But I've always noticed it's just like a great way to get my win in the morning um, And some other people I think have mentioned that But that's like I do those things like You know I make sure I'm reading every day And I make sure I make my bed And those are kind of like two wins in the morning That I always I'm like nah it's a pretty good day Yeah. Um, so, so to do
0: the book who not, not, to, not to interrupt but I want to actually reinforce that for people Because hmm. I never made my bed And then two things happened. Uh, I saw a commencement speech by a war hero uh, who, you know, just a highly, highly decorated veteran who had also come back to civilian life and just done incredibly well in the private sector. And he said, you can't always change everything in the world you want to change, but start with making your bed in the morning. And I was like, what? Huh. But it stuck with me. And then I met a monk. I think his name is Dandipani, I might be messing up the pronunciation. In any case, he said, if you want to have a feeling of sort of calm control over things, and I'm paraphrasing here, start with making your bed in the morning so that when you come back to it, it's not complete chaos and you feel like things are in disarray. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of silly, but whatever, I'll try it for a week. And it's been a, just a, a, it's had a huge psychic impact. That's an incredible psychological ROI. So I do that every morning as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was talking with my team about similar kind of like, what are things that you could do today and you don't need anybody else and you could you know make yourself a better and get better, you know, I would say success. Um, and, and two things that I've noticed is one, this is kind of a, a tangential one, but it's organize your dollar bills. I don't know if you do that. Uh, I, I'm not sure. You mean like by denomination? By, I do it by denomination. I do it in the same order. So they're all front facing in my wallet.
0: Huh. Okay. And so I
1: I think it's a Susie Orman thing she said 10 years ago or so, but I've done it. And I just think it's like a respectful thing for your money. And it kind of makes you like, okay, money's good. Uh, and the other thing is that with the bed thing and things in my life in general, I don't know who told me this, but it's hard for me to let it go, which is like, just do it now. And so if you see something that's broken or if it's on the floor, if you have a dish, just like, just get it over with. And I try to like, for some reason I can't let that go. When there's things like that, it just helps me get that kind of stuff done and it's relieving. Yeah, uh, so I do that. That's, I don't know. Do you have mantras like that or anything mentally I, that you?
0: I do, well, I do, uh, or reminders that are just sound bites that I've picked up over time. One of them that I thought was really profound in a lot of ways was advice I got from this uh, this uh, mother. I mean, I was I stayed with a uh, an older couple and their family in Panama at one point, point. and the they were a real power couple. I mean, the, the, the wife had done a ton when she was focused on career husband was a huge player and had like bought and sold some of the biggest companies in central and South America. And they were both really, really uh, content and accomplished. And those two don't always go together. They're actually pretty rare. And uh, what she said to me was you should make sure you always have uh, an incredible bed, and, and and at least one incredible pair of shoes because if you're not in one, you're going to be in the other. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and so I started – I had always bought kind of the cheapest shoes – to get around. And I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. I kind of, I viewed my shoes like a, a car almost, as which is how I view cars. I'm like, I don't need a Ferrari or some fancy car. It's just getting me from point A to point B. Like, give me the crappiest thing, the cheapest thing that'll, that'll do the job. And I viewed my shoes in the same way. And, and I didn't realize how many physical problems I'd created until I actually invested in, started investing in better shoes. And you don't need a lot. I mean, you could have one pair of, it's like one pair of very good walking shoes. And, um, uh, and, you know, I, I tend to, Prefer these days, uh, not necessarily the five fingers or anything like that, because I don't think those are great walking shoes, uh, because the human foot is not designed to walk on concrete or asphalt, uh, but rather what you would call zero drop shoes. So, shoes that don't have an elevated heel, but do have some protection for the bottom of the foot. And uh, you can spend, say, 20 to 40 bucks on a good pair of like Chuck Taylors or uh, Vans. That and I have a, a black pair of Vans, for instance, that can double as dress shoes. Nobody notices. I've hmm. had people compliment me on the shoes when I'm at like a business dinner, they're like, "Oh, those are great shoes. What are they?" And I say Vans, and they just they're <laughs> astonished. So that uh, tip, you know, having a high quality bed and or and high quality bedding, and then at least one pair of high quality shoes is uh, is something that's that stuck with me.
1: I think that's so – One, you know, one thing you were saying that I thought was cool. It's like when you tell stories, it's so much easier to remember. So in like two weeks, I can be like, yeah, Tim was like in the jungle in Panama with like some guru and they told him about choosing a bed. And it's so much easier for me to remember that versus you just like, yeah, have a bed
0: and better shoes. Oh, yeah. It won't, it won't stick, right? And the only reason the only reason I've remembered that is because the context was unique, right?
1: Uh, uh, I think it's interesting
0: about what we remember. It's, it's
1: funny. There's this music artist – and I'll talk about the book Who, but there's this music artist named Stitches. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's kind of like off the grid. Uh, he's Florida-based, but the guy is insane. Like, he talks about doing drugs. He, does, he doesn't does talk about it. He does drugs on stage. <laughs> like, he's got stitches tattooed all over his face, and uh, it's very extreme. And, you know, maybe it's a fad, maybe it's for now, but it, it makes me think about marketing and business and being remembered,
0: and it, it kind of made me realize, like, you don't get remembered in the middle. No, you don't. You don't get remembered in the middle, and uh, you need to... That's why I recommend uh, – and look, it's not a perfect book, but it is a very helpful book, at least for me. The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, yeah. the, the, the old version. with not Don't get the like for internet one that's like AOL era. Uh, <laughs> get the old one, which is like airlines and imported beer and all of these case studies. Uh, but it, it really points out that if you want positioning, whether that's for a product, for a, a, a point you're trying to persuade people to accept – or negotiation you have to uh, it's not enough just to be better you have to be different uh, because no one will have a chance to realize you're better if you don't have their attention first uh, and uh, so this so is just thinking of positioning in that way uh, as basically better as necessary but not sufficient I think is is super critical
1: it's funny, though, because we're we're like trained as as like, a, I think, humans to follow orders and raise our hands and stay in line. And I always try to encourage people and myself included to break a rule. And so I'm like, not every day, but I'm like, OK, can I run this light? Which not obviously I'm trying to run lights and kill people, but it's like all right. Well, it says do not enter this way, but maybe I should just enter it. Or tell you know, one thing I, I recommend to people is like the coffee challenge. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> have you heard the coffee
0: challenge? Well, I have because when we uh, when we were filming the Tim Ferriss experiment oh, together, yeah. you actually forced our student to go do this, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, and uh, so maybe you can explain that to people because certainly uh, the the Jason Bourne style going the wrong way down a one way uh, is probably not what I would I suggest people to do, but. Uh, the coffee challenge is something I would suggest everyone do. So maybe you can explain that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. So I'll tell the story of my brother. Uh, so I told my brother to do the coffee challenge and he's like, I'm a doctor. I'm the man. I could do anything. And, uh, so we went to like some random place in Arizona where he lives. And so the coffee challenge is you have to go up to the counter and you order coffee. And if you don't drink coffee, order tea. If you don't drink tea, order water. I don't care. And then you just ask for 10% off. And everyone listening, I know you're listening right now in your ears. You're like, oh, that's stupid. Noah's stupid. Tim, I'm going to pause this podcast, whatever, uh, because it's so easy. I've been doing sales 20 years. And uh, I told my brother to do it. And he's like, are you kidding me? I could do it. I'll do it in a minute. So it was on his birthday last year. And he goes up to the guy and he pauses because he's scared. (laughs) (laughs) And I filmed the whole thing. And I was like, he's like, "Uh, could could, could I have 10% off? And they're like, "Uh, uh, why? He's like, because? And they, I do believe they ended up giving it to him. And the coffee challenge sounds kind of silly, but the whole point is, you know, to business and in life uh, and to even, you know, being on not necessarily the extremes, but you have to ask for things and you have to put yourself out there. And that's the hard part. And for anyone who hasn't done the coffee challenge, once you go do it, you learn just a ton about yourself. Nothing that you could read in a book or that you can even do just hearing. So next time today you're at a place where you're buying something, ask for 10% off. Tell them Tim sent you. <laughs>
0: And, <laughs> don't do that.
1: Do not do that. Okay. Tell them no, essentially. I'll yeah, take yeah. it. It's no. fine. Tell them no. to, to come to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and see what you learn about yourself. Cause you realize it's harder than it is. But once you get over it, and we did this for our, our monthly 1K product where it's like, hey, go figure out that asking for money and asking for things isn't as hard as it seems. And then now you can start asking for things that you're like, well, now I want you to buy something of mine or a service or a product that you know I really believe in, versus just, you know, asking for a discount, which is more of a practice.
0: Yeah. And I think there are a couple of things that are important to underscore there. The first is a lot of the limitations we feel we have are completely self-imposed. And uh and if you look at say the coffee challenge or a comfort exercise like one from the four hour work week, which was going into a coffee shop, and I'd suggest probably doing these two in two different coffee shops, <laughs> uh, just go in and lay down on the floor for like five seconds. And don't say anything and then just get back up like nothing happened. <laughs> and, it's like, and, uh, the worst case scenario is so uh, trivial. You know what I mean? Uh, it's so trivial. It's just a little bit of discomfort. Uh, but it goes to show you how many rules we follow that may not be serving our best interest, right? And, and those, the, the coffee shop rules are, are just, uh, easy to break. So it's a safe experimental lab. But, uh, you know, people are like, well, I can do this or I can do that. And I remember asking, you know, Matt Mullenweg, the the lead developer of WordPress, who's now the CEO of uh, Automatic, which is a billion dollar plus company. Uh, I asked him a question at one point, and I was like, "Well, is it this or is it this?" And his his answer was, "That's a false dichotomy." Meaning, you're asking me to choose between between two things that are not mutually exclusive, or there are other options, right? Like, what is C, what is the C option? What is the D option? Ooh. And it's it's uh, there's an expression. And I'm paraphrasing here. It's a quote, actually, from Thomas Edison, who said, "You know, when you've examined all the options, just remember, colon, you haven't." And it's like, huh, interesting. And I mean, for for example, I mean, with the, with the Tim Ferriss experiment, with the TV show, uh, when the division at Turner went out of business and everything got shut down, everything got shelved. Uh, almost everybody basically said, like, that's game over. All right, let's all move on with our lives. We had a good time. That's it. You can't get the TV show out, you can't get the TV show back or anything like that. And it took a year of looking at, you know, what if I did this absurd thing? What if I took this absurd approach? Like, how do I craft a deal when it's, even if I were to get the show back for Turner, it's a, it's a rounding error on pocket change for them. They're they're just, there's not really incentive. So like, how do you figure out the deal structuring and so on? And eventually found a way to do it, but it took a lot of poking and prodding and Kind of uh, rolling out hypotheticals, like taking a piece of paper and being like, "Okay, so I'm just gonna freehand write and flow for like ten minutes, and just like, what are the most absurd things I could do to possibly get these things back?" And not judge, right? You're gonna throw out really stupid things, probably some illegal things, probably some dangerous <laughs> things, uh, probably some pre- completely self-destructive things, and then you look through it and you're like, "Okay, now this is interesting." And I heard a a, a, a quote from or a story from a comedian once, stand-up guy, and he said. Uh, how, did, how did he put it? He said writing well or generating good ideas is like orchestrating a room full of people in a fire emergency. He's like, when, if there's a fire, you can't have everyone rush for the exit at once. Um, and because they'll get blocked in the doorway. you have to let each one out at a time and then you can organize it afterwards. You can like group them into whatever, you know, stupid, mediocre and good ideas after the fact. And so just doing that type of freehand, idea generation, um, for solutions I find to be, to be super helpful. But I know, I, I'm, I know we've, uh, bounced around a little bit, but I like, know, we're supposed to talk about the who book, but
1: you, yeah. know, you know what's funny, Tim? Cause like, uh, I mean, obviously me and you are a little more known on the internet and you know, we've done some things that people will be like, well, you're Tim Ferriss. Right. And that's yeah. actually what I hear a lot. And so it, it's like, well, you're Tim, so it's easier for you. And I don't, I don't think they have, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't have the realization that like everyone has that opportunity
0: yeah, I, no, definitely. And I had – I mean, for instance, I had something I was doing online recently and uh, this guy responded on Twitter and he said, well, it's easy for you. You're Tim Ferriss and you have a blog with a million plus people. And <laughs> this other guy, um, a well-known uh, blogger, Darren, uh, Darren Rose, R-O-W-S-E, pro blogger, uh, who's a very, very um, savvy content guy with a huge audience, he said, we all start at the same place, zero readers. Yeah, you know? and it's just like it, rather than rather than dismissing uh, dismissing other people as having achieved things that are unattainable, recognize like we, they they started kind of like naked and alone in the world without any skills. Those are they had to develop that, and uh, you know, you and I have a lot of the same challenges. Even still today, I, I assume I know we've had some pretty deep conversations about challenges we've had. That everybody else has and it's like you don't get rid of those problems you just kind of trade up uh so. that, that's
1: dude preach i'm like oh i was the sermon was good right there <laughs> i'm like nodding i'm like yeah tim i mean one thing you know especially because i've you know started a few businesses and uh what i what, what i think most people don't realize is that every major company facebook dell microsoft google all of it started with like one dude or two dudes or, or two women with no customers yeah they all started the same size as everyone else so that it and, you know, it's start there, get that one customer and build up. And that's how you get to become the size of those companies or, you know, have a large site or whatever it is that, you know, each person wants to accomplish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon in the early days, I mean, the, their, their desks were – I think they were just doors from like cheap wooden doors from Home Depot across two file cabinets. Like those were their desks, you know, when but it was you- – you know what I think about, Tim, especially like with you. So I met you before your even first book came out. I always think
1: it's the funniest thing. I email you. I got email intro to you and I got an autoresponder that's was like, hey, I'm surfing in Costa Rica. And I'm like, who the fuck is Tim Ferriss? <laughs> you know, an autoresponder surfing in Costa Rica? Hey, I'll be back in two weeks. I'm like, all right, I don't really want to meet this guy. Um, but I think what, what separates out a lot of the winners versus losers is that it's not only that you got the book out there, but you've been doing it consistently for 10 years. Same with Zuckerberg at Facebook is that it's easy to be a, – a, to get a hit for a week or a month or two months. But do it for – you know, Zuck has made decisions for 10 years. You've done your stuff for 10 years. Like, Absumo, I've been doing for five years. Like, you know, those things – like, I mean, you know, Absumo is now a seven-figure business. But I made $12,000 myself the first year. Yeah, Right. And that, you know, it's like, well, no, you're making, you know, good money now. But it's like yeah, it, it starts small <laughs> and
0: then you gotta keep going. You gotta persist with it. No, definitely. And you have to choose good teachers. And for me, because I was on my own so much and probably for you, books were a lot of those teachers mm. for me. Dude, I love I love how you brought it back. You see? You see, Did
1: everyone learning. hear that right there? <laughs> look at that's an interviewer. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna do the Who Book. So let me just look, do you mind if I just rattle them off and then people just go buy them? Rattle them off and then I might ask you to dig into some. All right. So here are the books. So I went through, I have a, I can give you the list for everyone, about every book I've read. I I catalog every book and movie I've read. Um, And I'm just going to give you like the seven-ish one, business-related and personal that I think are just super, super helpful. Um, My favorite one in the past year has been Essentialism. Um, And it's basically just, the whole book literally is just like, say no to everything. That's not important. So I learned that at Facebook, that book was a great reminder of it. And even like with our main product, SumoMe.com like we have one goal, which is to hit a certain revenue target. And every decision we do is either does it help towards that or not? And we say no to everything else. Um, the Who book that, and feel free to interrupt me.
0: Uh, I'm sure you will. I don't no, have to no, say I, that, do I? I? <laughs> no, no. We've, uh, yeah, we've known each other long enough. I'll, I'll jump in if need be. <laughs> Perfect. The Who book is, there's a longer book called Top Grading,
1: uh, which I wouldn't read because it's like, it's thick. It's really thick. The Who book is like a condensed version of it. And I learned it at Mint where the founder was using it. And so Who basically helps you create a framework for thinking about who you want to hire, the questions you want to ask, and then how do you filter, find them, and then get down to make sure you have the right person. Uh, Matt's interview was great because he makes people audition um, for the jobs. And I like that, but I also use Who, which you know helps you have some really basic questions
0: that you could standardize so yeah. that you can compare people. Yeah. Who has uh, Who has some really solid chapters that lay out exactly the series of questions that you can ask at different points in the process. It's really solid. What I'll do, Tim, is I'll
1: email you after this. I'll email you my, I'm so weird. I I write book reports on every book I read. Awesome. And so I'll email you the book report on who. So for the people that, you know, it's funny because I think if you read it, you'll get more out of it because you'll, you have to keep reading the same message. Most books are one page, but you repeat it enough times you remember it, um, and so, yeah, I'll send you the book report afterwards so that people can, uh, cool. can get the condensed version.
0: Yeah, I'll add, I'll add all sorts of goodies in the in the show notes. Um, my
1: two other – my favorite sales business book of all time, which is one of the underground ones, and I think you might know Amanda Holmes, but it's from her father, and it's called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Hmm. And this book is just like – it's like an underground – I had it on my shelf for six months. It was one you kind of skip over. Like I have a books on my shelf now, and I skip over them. I'm like, nah, I'll get to that one later. And I finally got it for an airplane. And I get on the airplane and I open the first page and I'm on the introduction and I'm like, all right, rabbit ear, that page, next page, rabbit ear, next page, rabbit ear. Like the whole book was folded over. Uh, And I finished it on that airplane ride. And it's one of these books that not enough people talk about, but everyone who reads it
0: is always like, oh, I'm really glad I read that one. (laughs) You must fold your pages like origami masterpieces. (laughs) Because I usually hear hear dog ear, but rabbit ear, I kind of like. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I've actually been trying to carry a pen when I read certain business books uh, because I just find it easier to come back to the, the specific sections I want to write in my book reports. Um, other things, An old school book that if you're looking to do service type business, million dollar consulting is great for how to raise your prices and how to actually start your own service or consulting based business. I really like that. Um, right now, I'm really thinking a lot more about sales, especially with Sumumi as we're, we're growing that product. Uh, so I read two books recently that were really strong on sales. One's the sales acceleration formula. And that is more around SaaS-based selling, but it could still be good for, so you know, software, how to find the right.
0: as a surface, like uh, the the Sumo-mes or the Dropboxes of the world. Wow, you lumped me with Dropbox? Thanks, bro. No problem. Hey, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the Sumo Me, the Googles. Um, so it's basically like how to find, like filter through people on LinkedIn, how to ask, for, like the specific text to how to ask for a referral. Um, you don't ask for, you don't email someone asking to hire them. You ask, email them, ask to refer someone else. And that's generally a good way to get to know them and possibly get a referral. Well,
0: it's like uh, raising money. People say, if you want, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. <laughs> oh man. Actually, you know, one thing that I think Shane, do you know Shane Snow? I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's been on your side yeah, a few he, times. I yeah, love he, Shane. Yeah. He wrote, uh, he did a bunch of experimentation with Soylent when it first came out and then wrote the first kind of review of two weeks of being on it on my blog, which caused all sorts of firestorms. But uh yeah, yeah, I do know Shane. I love Shane and everyone should check out his book Smart
1: Cuts. It's actually it's a really good book too. But that wasn't even the point. Um Shane told me one of the great ways you can get a mentor or meet anyone you want to meet is just interview them.
0: Definitely. So,
1: that's something actually for me. There's companies I really respect like Taco Deli. It's a local it's my favorite taco in the world. Um and they're in Austin. And so I basically, you you know, you reach out to people like, hey, I just want to promote you to my audience. And even if you have a small audience and, you know, Tim, me and you can actually, I think we're going to possibly later show people how to get their own audience live right uh, in the show. Oh, yeah. But it won't be live. It'll be recorded. And you can do it instantly when you listen to it on your phone. And so Shane was basically like, yeah, interview people. And then it's a chance for you to meet and connect. And it's the best way to get a hold of someone versus normally you, you know, ask an email and be like, hey, can I just have something? Um, (laughs) A few other books that I'm really, I really enjoyed spin selling really shifted my mindset about how you're going to be approaching customers and really thinking about like the formula which is like you know situation problem uh implication and then like so natural solution or need solution and it basically helps you really transition people to be like hey what problem do you have and think about if you're really helping them and say well if you're going to need this help you should probably use our solution <laughs> it's a great way to think yeah, of no, think, absolutely think of yourself as an advocate which is like yeah. hey you have what's your situation all right what problem do you have all right. Well, how would the, if we can solve it? How would that make your life better? Oh, well, guess what? We actually have that solution for that problem that we just solved for you. That you sounds like you, was what really important for you.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And this applies in more places than people might realize. So, for instance, I had someone ask me recently, uh, you know, why do you think people take action when they read your stuff? Like, it seems like there's a high conversion rate compared to most books. Like, people actually take action. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, I hope it's true. And if it is true. I think it's because in each of my chapters, let's just say in the four hour body, I basically take that spin selling approach of establishing the problem first and combine it with the sort of story arc of like the writer's journey or Joseph Campbell stuff and tie it into a narrative that people can remember. So it's, uh, the, these types of mental frameworks apply to more contexts and areas than I think people might realize.
1: I mean, it, it applies to everything. I mean, I don't think people realize that, like, the two most important things, are, I mean, I don't know if the most important, but two very important things are copywriting and selling. And I think those are, that and personal finance are three of the probably most undervalued or underrecognized things that people should spend more time learning.
0: What have you read that has helped you most with copywriting? The number one thing, and it's completely free, is the Gary Halbert
1: letters. Yeah. So my good, you know Neville? I don't know if you know my good uh, buddy Neville. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah Neville at Copywriting Course. And Neville got me into him, and his, his writing is just so fluid. Um, and uh, obviously, it's practice, which I always hate because when you hear cliche things like that, you're like, I know it's practice, but I want tips. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Gary Halbert letters, he wrote these things called the Boron letters were to his son while he was in jail. And uh, they're just phenomenal copywriting pieces about how to sell and how to think about things. And, and we can link to that. Those are totally free and great. Um, there's the other stuff like Ogilvy on advertising is a really good book. It's
0: so, uh, it's, it's so often recommended, but so few people actually read it. It's a really good book.
1: I, you know what I did and I like literally said, this is not a joke for you or your audience. Like I, I in college, I in college, obviously that's a great sentence in college. I was, I, I was in English as a second language. What? Dude, I'm American. I was born in San Jose, California. Like my parents speak English, so I'm just trying to give you an idea of how bad of a, a writer I was, and maybe still am. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, dude, I was in English as a second language it was you, me and a bunch of people who couldn't speak English.
0: You took ESL courses? Yeah, well, wait, I didn't want to. I wait, did to. you like crash the course, or was was it recommended? No, it was to a
1: requirement you? at Cal because I wasn't. My English was so low. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was like a joke. I'd be like, oh, bro, well, yeah, I can speaking. It's like, dude, I,
0: I'm from America. <laughs> You know, that's, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember, uh, looking at TOEFL, the test of English as a foreign language. Yeah. And, uh, people generally don't actually understand the mechanics of their native language very well, but you forget that and you think you're like, Oh, I'm a native speaker. Of course I know English. And then you look at the test and they're like, what is the difference between anything and something? And you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would so. totally fail TOEFL. If I had to take TOEFL to get into, uh, anything, uh, absolutely would, would probably flunk out. Yeah, no, so that's serious. So I'd say Garrett Howard helped. And actually, you
1: no know, one thing that's not a book, but really probably changed the game for me writing-wise, besides writing a lot, uh, was getting an editor. And that's because I would write something, and I'd be like, this sounds great. I can't believe how good it And then I would show it to Neville or Anton uh, at the AppSumo team, and they'd be like, this is garbage. And I'd be like, no, that's good. And then once they would start reading it, um and give me the feedback, it changed. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm getting why it's not as entertaining or how I can improve things like photos and bold and how I shift around my sentence grammar and structure.
0: How would you suggest people implement that for themselves? If they're asking someone to, to proofread something, uh, what, do you, what are the instructions that you give someone or what type of person are you looking for? Well,
1: working backwards, I'm looking for someone who I like their writing. Mm-hmm. and Also, I'll tell you what I did last year, which was really helpful. I, get, I created an inner circle. And it basically was people that I really enjoyed their writing. And I said, hey, I'm going to create a small group of people. I think there's about five of us. And anytime we're putting out an article, let's send it to the group. And you could leave comments in the Google Doc. Everyone can just leave a comment. So it doesn't change the writing, but it can give you feedback about that type of writing. And it also, when you finally finish the article, those people would help promote it, which is a whole nother marketing tactic.
0: So do those people then? you would upload a new doc to say a shared folder and then just invite those people via email or how do you guys? Uh, exactly. Well, so if you created a, a Google doc, so i would go to Google docs, create a file, just
1: any file, I would share it with them. So I'd share it with you. And then on that file, you can have it be just comment only. And so they would go in and leave a bunch of comments. I would go fix it and I'd be like, wow, that was actually a lot better. And then subsequently my writing even gets stronger and I would do it for them when they had their articles. Got it. Got it. That's like, cool. I don't know for you, like I'm, I'm still, you know, okdork.com my personal blog, you know, it's a hundred thousand subscribers. It gets a decent. Much I'm still scared of my writing because it's just like, <laughs> cause you know, and that's why I like having uh, an editor because I'm like, there's probably some, tons of grammar that's going to get ripped on and you know, it, it represents me and I want to look good. Um, so having the editor and like peers be able to edit my things, especially like with Google docs. I know a lot of people use like a uh, Hemingway or uh, what is it? Draft.
0: Yeah. Draft I've used. It's pretty sweet uh, Draft I like. I haven't used Hemingway, like the name, despite the guy's uh, somewhat unfortunate end. Uh, But those are two ones for like group editing.
1: I mean, so for writing, yeah, those are the stuff. And then the two ones, I would say coming back to like selling stuff, um, spin selling I just mentioned, sales acceleration formula we talked about. And then I'd say lastly, there's a book called Small Giants ah mm. uh, Which small I really
0: Giants like. is a great book. Uh it it, it uh, I'll let you describe it. It had a huge impact on me though when I read no. it. What f- what, uh, know, what was five, the impact now? Five, seven, sure. eight years ago? Well, I I assume we're talking about the same book. It's uh Bo Burling, Burl- yeah, Burlingham. Yeah. Exactly. Uh it was just I think the subtitle what is the subtitle? It's something like companies that choose to be the best not the biggest or something like that. But the uh, the idea that size or growth does not have to be the measure of success. If you're an entrepreneur, it's just a very conceptually uncommon thing to hear. Uh And I just love, that's one of the books that kind of put the, the finishing touches on convincing me that, of you know, selling, trying to find price insensitive people <laughs> to sell to, uh, is just a complete game changer. Or making something that is so good and so over delivers that you can charge a premium price. Um, those those are a few of the things that I took away from that. What What about you?
1: Uh, that's very long line. I mean, I, I think if you people that are listening that are not in Silicon Valley, I don't think they understand like how. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe, it, but it's just like everything is about. If you're a billion dollar company, and if you're going viral, and if you have a lot of funding, and if you're not, you're a nobody and you're nothing, and everything is pointless. Uh, and it was re- refreshing to hear these, you know, pretty sub, you know, substantial companies like uh, uh, Cliff Bar, or I think there's a beer company in San Francisco uh, that were doing great things in big companies, but just doing it in their own way. And it's you know, it's very empowering to realize, like, yeah, you can do your own thing, and it can be big, and you don't have to compromise on those things. Like my favorite taco shop here it's been they've been around since 1999 and they have five shops but our common uh notion is that you have to go viral not viral but you have to scale so 10 shops and 20 shops and they're going at a pace that's comfortable for them they don't have to be starbucks you know and yeah. they're just doing their taqueria thing and that's why i respect them and you know i get, i talk about them so much
0: yeah uh it's it's prof- it can be a really profound i think awakening for people when they start to when they sit down and really try to assess what, what would add value to their lives and more joy and uh, excitement. And that's, that's very rarely money for the sake of money uh, because the money you, ex- you exchange for an experience or uh, interacting with certain types of people or any number of things. And there are other ways to get those things besides scaling a company making a bunch of money that you can trade for those things. I mean, for instance, you mentioned the taco shop. Uh, you could look at other examples like uh, Jiro from Jiro Dreams of Sushi and his like 12-seater, uh, three-star sushi restaurant in Tokyo. He has no desire to scale that. You know what I mean? In fact, it's kind of antithetical to his entire personality and, uh, mission for sort of perfecting his craft. Right. And, you know, one of the examples of from small giants, uh, there was an Andy DeFranco example, but then there was another example, which I thought was so awesomely niche and so just fantastic, which was, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting the book, right. It was uh, leather pants. And, uh, specifically the person who made leather pants for like Cheryl Crow and they became a huge, famous because she has nice legs and ass, but also the pants were really cool. And, you know, for I think Aerosmith and so on, but it, one of these examples where they're, uh, they're like this uh, guy I bought a hunting rifle from, he makes 20 rifles a year and they're customized. They're just incredible. And he'd done me a bunch of favors and I, I wanted one of his guns, but it was also just to say thank you. And they have no desire to scale and how that, how dramatically that improves their quality of life and ability to ability to optimize other facets of their life when you remove that as the sole objective. anyway I just uh, I'm really glad you brought that book up because I, I actually have it on my bookshelf literally uh, in my living room positioned in a way that anytime I sit down on my couch, I can see it face out right next to a handful of other books like uh, Zorba the Greek and The Magic of Thinking Big and a few others. Have you, have you read uh, Richard Feynman's book? Oh, Surely You Must Be Joking, Mr. Feynman? Dude, have you talked about it in the show? I I don't think I have, but it's it, I, that is actually another one of the like half dozen books that's up on my shelf. <laughs> I mean, Why don't you talk about that book for a second because it's one of my favorite books of all time. It's one of these books and I have it. So if you ever meet me
1: in person, I'll give you my – I have an extra copy because it's just that amazing. Um, this is a guy
0: who won the Nobel Prize, I believe. He helped create the atomic bomb. Yep. Yeah, he worked at Los Alamos, uh, yeah. also helped identify the, the O-ring that caused the Challenger disaster.
1: And just like the amount of stuff that he's done, you're like, okay, this guy's got to be weird. And he's just so greatly weird. And he talks like a human. And just like all of his experience, I think the biggest thing that I took away from the book is just his curiosity to life and experiences. Where he would just start like, oh, well, you know, one day I just thought drinking wasn't fun, so I stopped drinking. And he walked out of a bar and never drinking again. Or he wanted to pick up, I think, was it
0: bongo drums? Yeah, bongo drums. Uh, he also wanted to learn how to pick up women. So he would go into bars. <laughs> uh, just didn't give a shit what other people thought too, which was amazingly refreshing. Uh, he decided he wanted to learn how to, uh, safe crack to open safes. And so he would prank people in Los Alamos where they were building the atomic bomb. <laughs> so he would, <laughs> he would take out confidential papers and like put them on the desk of somebody he wanted to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <like> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, the, the finding book and what I love most about it, it just makes you curious about the world. I was, I was mentioning briefly, like my brother's kid is touching grass for the first time. And I just like a grass and I'm like, oh, grass, whatever. And this kid is like touching grass and feeling it and experiencing it. Uh, and it makes you kind of just appreciate all the things that are going around in life in the world. I'm like, Oh, that's really great. And, uh, and I think that book just inspired me with that. And that's
0: why I you know, highly recommend it. It's uh it's a must read. And also the fact that when he was on his last you know, on, on his uh, sort of last legs towards the end of his life, he was still doing things that he that, – that challenged his belief systems or his skill sets. So he learned how to paint very late in his life. Oh, yeah. As a scientist who is super diehard engineer who really felt like the romantic romanticizing of, uh, say, people who would argue that, you know, the scientist uh, takes the magic out of something like a flower – because they deconstruct it in scientific terms. And his argument was that's entirely the opposite. We can appreciate so much more that you can't see. and uh, But felt compelled to sort of trade best practices with a friend of his who is a well-known painter and uh, become um, oh, a cool. white belt again and suck at painting. And it, <laughs> I don't know if this was in his book. I think there's a... There's actually a, an interview with Richard Feynman. Uh, I'll, I'll, link to this in the show notes at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. But, um, there's a YouTube video that I'll link to called the pleasure of finding things out. And, and I think in that might be somewhere else. They talk about he would go to strip clubs <laughs> to paint as like an old dude <laughs> and, uh, just really was, was not affected by. Public pressure, and that's something I, I admire so much. Especially as, in times when I feel defensive, like I have to protect something that I've created or anything like that, uh, the, the fact that he was willing to seemingly throw it all away by doing things that would negatively impact his reputation, when in the end they never did, nobody cared because they're too busy thinking about themselves. Exactly, and, and to add to that,
1: Tim, I, I think you're you're right on the money. One thing that that I started doing is you, you ever. I'm like, well, I, noticed, I try to notice like when I'm feeling really good or like what happened that made me feel really good. And I was noticing that reading and like studying and learning, like reading Feynman's book made me feel really good. But I noticed as we get older, you just like you schedule a day around all the work stuff you're doing. And so on Tuesdays from 10 to 12 I schedule nothing but learning. So every Tuesday it's on repeat, and that's one of my tactics. I put things on repeat on my calendar so 10 to 12 every Tuesday. and my friend Neville again uh, got me into learning from YouTube videos. And I'm like, YouTube videos. And so I go on YouTube videos and I bookmark specific people. So Feynman videos are amazing. And then Elon Musk's videos are, are just as phenomenal. And I was like, wow, you can learn from YouTube. I never really thought of intentionally going to find things to, to listen to and watch. What? Uh, how did you choose that time on Tuesday? Uh, Monday, I do team meetings. And so I would, you know, I kind of almost be tempted to do it all day. But Monday is kind of like my organization day. Um, I can give you, if you know, yeah. I can talk about it afterwards, we I do a specific thing that really helps me on my Mondays. Uh, so Tuesday is like the next day that I'm available to start thinking about things because most of your good stuff doesn't come when you're doing, it comes when you're thinking. Um, and then I'm starting to incorporate on my Thursdays trying to do like a fun activity like disc golf. Yeah. So on Thursday afternoons, Thursday mornings, 10 to 12, I'll try to go out and just like play disc golf or go for a bike ride or something where uh, I just have time. That's my mind is like a little more free.
0: What, uh, do you have your activities clustered by day, like what do you do, for instance, you said team meetings on Mondays. Is there a, a certain focus on Tuesdays aside from the studying Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Like, do you, do you break things out and categorize them that way? I don't batch the way I look at my week, um, is on Monday
1: mornings, I basically have three categories that matter to me, which is like work, workout and personal. And then I, I label three things for each one and workout. I, I put four cause I work out four days a week. So I have three things for work, four things on workout and three things for personal and then I put those in my calendar during the week about when I want to batch those tasks. Like I want to do my work things this time during these days. And then I leave the rest of the calendar open. And I think Mark, I learned that from Mark Andreessen where he's like certain things are going to be more important in certain days. I'm not going to try to block it out for something else. Uh, and so then I just focus on the three I commit to doing at the week. And then uh, every Monday I review my calendar with uh, my friend Adam from mybodytutor.com. And so we share what we said we're going to do, see how we did, called? and then we talk my about it. Yeah. Have you heard of mybodytutor.com? No, B-O-D-Y-T-U-T-O-R. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about I'm, – I'm having to stay long and talk health and fitness, but he basically has helped me get ripped abs, and now he's helped me bulk up to 200, and he's helping me get back, back down to bulky, ripped, bulky and ripped at like 175. Uh, and I've been working with him for about a little over four years, and he's one of my best friends. What are some uh, of – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so that's what I, how I organize my week, where on Mondays I email him a review of the previous week using followup.cc because it reminds me. And I think if you don't review what you've done, it's hard to know how you're progressing. And then I commit to what I want to do this upcoming week.
0: Let's and start. so everyone
1: should get an accountability buddy. Definitely. Um, it's, so Adam emails me, I'm like, yo, what, why didn't you do this last week? Or how come every week you're doing the same crappy thing that's not doing anything? You should think differently about it. Um, so I think for side projects or full-time businesses, I still do it with him. And I've been doing this with him for a few years now.
0: Very cool. I want I want to to pick a little bit at some of the tips you have for people who might want to gain muscular size. Uh, I'll I'll before I get to that, I want to add a few other resources. So you mentioned my body tutor, which is great. I hadn't heard of it. So that's definitely gonna go in the back of my mind on the list. A couple of others sure. that people might like for finding accountability partners would be uh coach.me, coach.me. Hmm. Uh, used to be Lyft, uh, the, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And I, I advise those guys. So I've, I've had fun ex- doing running experiments with them. The other is, there are two others actually, uh, stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K.com, where you can put money on the line that you can lose if you don't hit certain milestones, which is very incentivizing for people as a consequence. And then, uh, one that is very strictly, uh, money related, which is dietbet.com. So if you want to lose weight, uh, you can you can put together a betting pool basically, and uh, and make and make that work uh, for gaining muscular size. This is I I as you would imagine get a lot of questions about this, but what were the biggest? Uh, if you had to give someone advice, say a guy who is your size before you started bulking up, yep. for, for gaining forty pounds in forty pounds uh, in six to twelve months, and let's just say most of that should be muscle. What what would be? Huh? The advice. If they're like, oh, I've never been able to gain weight, man. I think I'm doing everything that I could possibly do. What, yep. are your, what are your tips?
1: Well, I would start with the foundation. So I wouldn't actually even recommend this to most people because it's, it is challenging once you hit that goal to come back down because you get comfortable eating like nachos and you get comfortable eating like drinking beer. And, you know, obviously some people do clean bulks, but I did a mix of it. So what I would actually recommend is get a foundation of being able to eat healthy consistently and maintaining or losing your weight, probably maintaining for at least, I would say, six months to a year. I've been doing a consistent diet for two years before I even tried to bulk. Hmm. So I don't think if you unless you're ready to be able, unless you have the mental capacity to be able to control it, I wouldn't recommend it because um, it's very easy to let kind of get lost with it. Uh, and that's why my fitness pal and Adam were so helpful because for two years I was eating very consistently and, and losing weight and getting the body I wanted. The one thing that was actually fascinating, Tim, is until I started doing my Fitness Pal, um, I was going to the gym like three, four days a week, but I was staying tiny. And I'm like, "What the what the F is going on?" Uh, and it's because I wasn't eating enough you can, protein. You can say fuck, <laughs> uh, frick. Uh, <laughs> dude, I don't know. Like, I was on Pat Flynn's podcast, and he's just like, he's like, I had to edit half your interview. Uh, and so, my, you know, the and I've been watching Big Love, the Mormon TV show, so I'm just like all about it. Um, anyways, right. so. Basically, for a long time, I wasn't eating enough protein, and that's why I wasn't getting bigger. And so that's what made me a little more curious about it. So number one, I would say try doing just maintaining or losing for a year so that you're comfortable with it. Uh, the big things with gaining weight, so I went from 160 to 200 in a few months. Uh, so number one, I would say plan your calorie intake, how much you actually need to be having each day. Because otherwise, besides that, you're blind. You're just like, well, I should have this many. And you really don't know. So if you want to hit a certain weight, just work backwards from how many calories you need to be eating every day to get that amount. Um, I'd say the big things for me were, one, I had a buddy who was doing it at the same time. And that was a game changer because he's doing it and he's gaining weight. And I'm like, well, fuck, I have to do it too. Uh, And it was just much more helpful to have someone supporting me. And One of my best friends, John Ross, was locally and we're both gaining. Uh, Secondly, I did use Weight Gainer. Which I don't know if there's debate. I haven't looked at the tons of science, but it does help you gain weight and get the mass that you want. It does go away a little bit because of creatine and blah, 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 which I'm not going to get into because I don't know it super well, <laughs> uh, but that really significantly helped me gain weight. And, and ultimately, you kind of have to look at like, all right, you get tired of eating. You get yeah. it to a point of like, I am sick of eating. So what is the cheapest way to get as many calories and as much protein in my body uh, to help me gain this weight? Uh, so in the morning, it was like, how can I do protein shakes? Uh, Quest Bar, egg whites, eggs, whatever I could take and basically doubling everything I was already currently doing. <laughs> so whatever you think you're eating, eat double. But basically at, at some point what you have to figure out, and what I started doing is like, what is the protein ratios of food and just eating the highest protein to highest like calorie food uh, to really put on as much weight as possible.
0: Yeah. It's the, the, the working out isn't the hard part. It's the eating by far. And uh, you, plat- and you plateau, man. I hit
1: like 170 plateaued, 180 plateaued, 190 plateaued, and you know what's funny as, uh, the last night I wanted to hit it by March 1st to 200 pounds. And this is, you know, I hit, I was at like 197. And, uh, and I, my girlfriend was like, and I was, it was like 12. It was not 12. It was like 1030. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hit it. And she's like, you need to stop being a bitch. And start putting some food in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I've ate and drank and ate. And then, at you know, before midnight, I was, uh, you know, like Cinderella, I hit my 200. <laughs> There's a, one other thing that was really helpful, Tim,
0: That I'll, and I think you, I don't know what tool you use. I use WeThings scale. Yeah, WeThings. Yeah, yeah, the the automatic um, sort of, uh, I guess it's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth-enabled scale that automatically creates graphs for you. So I use, what I do is I have a WeThings scale
1: and I take my, and you can embed your weight chart online. So I embedded it online and I shared it with Adam and he would check in with me every day to be like, you're skinny, you're fat, you're fat, you're doing well, why aren't you gaining more weight and so forth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very counter because most people want to lose weight. And so when you're trying to gain weight, and especially me, I'm like the guy you never wanted, before I would say I'm the guy you never wanted to eat with because I'd be like, uh, egg whites, can you separate the cheese particles? Uh, can you put no, but it's like, I'm like, God, do you want any of the food that they're, they're serving you? Um, and so it was a shift in me, but having Adam and then I have a Facebook like workout group where I was posting my weight. And, you know, I think the more people that you have that care about you and that are checking in on you, uh, on a regular basis, the more it was easier for me to help uh, accomplish that.
0: Yeah. The more you get people invested in your progress, and that could be a Facebook group that you create or just promising to put Facebook status updates, uh, once a week, for instance, and making that commitment publicly is extremely helpful. A couple of points I'd like to, to underscore. The first is the fact that leaning out first will help you bulk faster. Uh, from, there are a bunch of biochemical reasons for this and, hmm. um, and, and sort of uh, biochemical but also uh, neuroscience-related reasons just in terms of regulation of leptin and gre- uh, ghrelin and all of these things where if you lean out even for 2 to 4 weeks doesn't have to be that long uh, but certainly getting to the point where let's just say hypothetically you choose this low carb diet from for our body you're already at say 14% body fat you drop 2 to 4% in uh 4 to 8 weeks then you will have developed uh probably a very good degree of insulin sensitivity and uh, insulin is an anabolic hormone. That's why bodybuilders sometimes inject insulin, uh, competitive bodybuilders, which I would never recommend because you can kill yourself. Oh, um, what does that do for them? It allows them to store more calories ingested in muscle tissue uh and elsewhere but it's a very 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 dangerous thing to do. Uh and uh you you can mimic that a little bit with say low doses of alpha-lipoic acid and there are other things that act as insulinomimetics as they would call them. Um but if you lean out like if I really really want to get big for whatever reason I haven't done it in ages because it's just such a slog. I mean you feel like a Kobe beef cow just being fattened for slaughter. I mean it's really it's so it's so laborious. Oh my it's, God. It, I, like I
1: didn't want to eat. You get to like, at first you're like, at first it's hard to do. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have egg. I shouldn't have egg yolk, even though I know fat is good and all that stuff. But then you have egg yolks and then it's like six egg yolks. And then you're like, fuck eggs.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly. But you do have your kind of super size me moment where you're like, mm, this is amazing. Yeah, baby. And then a week later, you're just like, can I stop? Please. I want to tap out, please. Um, uh, on the eating, on the training, um, uh, I'd be curious to know what your biggest mistakes were that you'd been making from a training perspective. Totally. I mean, the number one thing, the number one, number one thing was I wasn't
1: eating enough in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So even like last year when I wanted to start getting like bigger muscles, uh, I just was eating so little food. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to eat light, like egg whites and and these things, and you know, and Adam's like, don't try to get bigger. You should, you need to eat more food, and you stop being a bitch. (laughs) <laughs> and so I started eating the egg yolks and Tucker Max always gave me shit for it too. He's like, dude, you got to stop being a bitch. And I guess that's maybe a common theme. <laughs> uh, and so you, you do that and you realize like bigger dogs need more food. So if you want to be bigger, you need to put more in. Yeah. Um, so that was number one. And then I started just doing heavier sets and less
0: reps. What would, uh, so what were you doing and what did you change it to?
1: So I, I there's actually a few different programs. There's a guy named the online coach. And he does a thing called the Shoal program. It's like something hypertrophy. I don't know what he, Shoal,
0: like S-C-H-O-L-L. S-H-U-L. S-H-U-L. He has a,
1: a program, um, that I was following. And I can, I can send that to you afterwards. So he, yep. I followed his program and, and a lot of what his program is like, super heavy weights, five sets, and then I would focus on chord movements. So I break my thing out into four days a week. And so the biggest mistake was I was doing super heavy, uh, super high reps with lighter weights for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I just wanted to get bigger and bulkier. And it's funny because when you saw me, you're like, holy shit, you're huge. And it's like, want well, I ate a ton more and I, and I monitored it. And then I lifted a ton heavier uh, versus the lighter weights, which in my opinion, just kind of give me more of the definition.
0: Yeah. Or just make you more injury prone, depending on how you do it. Um Certainly. I mean, there are p- a lot of folks uh, who do sort of high rep, high velocity, which is just asking for all sorts of issues. Um, and now is the, the Schul program, the online fitness coach, was it, uh, sort of five sets of five reps type of situation with. Exactly. Movements. Okay. So it's very similar then. There's a, there's a book that's become very popular among engineers, oddly enough, in Silicon Valley called Starting Strength. Uh, yeah. by Mark Ripito. And Ripito knows his stuff. He's, he's, he's he has, uh, some very pragmatic approaches to this stuff. And he actually has a second book and probably more, but one that I have really enjoyed which is is a lot denser and probably not the right one to read first but called uh pragmatic programming i think hmm. it is and it's all about lo- sort of medium term and long term planning of training and how to cycle it and so on but i think that's biting off more Which one should we start, start with a starting strength? Starting strength. Yeah, starting strength. Starting strength or for for simplicity's sake i think a lot of the protocols that Pavel Tzatsulin. Some people say his name Tzatsulin, but it's Pavel Tzatsulin who really popularized kettlebells in the United States. Some of his programs are just amazing. So there's, there's one called, uh, if you search easy strength and Pavel's mm-hmm. name, uh, a lot will pop up. Uh, very simple. And, um, my, my podcast interview with him went really deep into a bunch of his approaches for strength and endurance oh, and flexibility. Sure. But Pavel knows his stuff. Um, also a great example of making finding the minimum effective dose that produces the largest disproportionate output, right, or outcome. Uh, yeah, five sets of five is hard to go wrong with. Um, it,
1: yeah, I mean, two other things that, you know, two other things I would say would really help me during that whole process, especially for anyone trying to be in fitness, um, you know, it's fun. As much as we want, like, less input and more output, which, you know, I, I think you've done very well because you figure out, like, what's, how do I get maximum thing for for less? Part of it is consistency, which I'm not going to spend a ton of time on because you you have to go. That's the point. Like in my calendar, if you looked at my calendar today, Tim, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, there's gym in there automatically. I don't even get to choose. It's just there at a certain time and I do it every week. Um, so consistency has been big. And then secondly, this is kind of more of a, a hack one. That, it's not really a hack, but just something that really motivates me. Uh, I follow fitness people on Instagram. Uh, yeah. A lot of people use Instagram for all their friends that they you know, post stupid photos. And I don't really follow any friends. Uh, all I, fo- I follow is rappers and fitness people.
0: What is your Instagram?
1: Uh, Noah Kagan. Got it. But I follow like this online coach guy. He posts great workout videos. Uh, They post things like there's – I'll pull up some of the different people that I recommend. But no, his is great. Um, And what's awesome about it is that they just post all their different workouts, what they eat, motivation. And so during the day when I'm on the toilet or I'm kind of feeling lazy, I go on my Instagram and I see that their bodies are ripped. And what was your recommendation? We're going to come back to looking at ripped bodies while sitting on the toilet. But uh... (laughs) Well, the two things I was going to recommend is number one – if your internet's dropping out, and I'm not sure what's going on today, but I basically went and upgraded our router to, like, an ASUS RT86 Dynet Dasher, but basically, like, focus on the things that are the highest levels of the funnel. And I noticed my router is the first thing that my internet comes in that affects all of my work. And so we went in, and I, I don't know, this is, like, a $200, 300 router. So if you're at home and you're working and your internet matters, like, go in and invest in that because that's at the top of the funnel and optimize the things where you get the biggest results downwards. Definitely. So you said two things.
0: What would? What's the other one? Oh, uh, no, the router is, uh, two. the <laughs> router been... and then Instagram. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's, let's come back to Instagram. So looking at people, uh, I wanted to have, I thought I was maybe a weirdo on my own, but so I actually do the exact same thing. I'm trying to get better at gymnastics and more body weight calisthenic type movements. Ooh, so, cool. so, so all, almost all of people I follow on. Instagram, and I'm just t- Tim Ferriss with two R's and two S's on Instagram, are, uh, like gymnastic bodies, or maybe gymnastics bodies, uh, is, is incredible. There are a couple of very impressive parkour athletes and acrobats, including a friend of mine named Travis Brewer, who, uh, competes on American Ninja Warrior and was actually one of my parkour teachers for the Tim Ferriss experiment when I, like, destroyed my entire body. Uh, but in, in a really fantastic, uh, coach and just incredible, crazy athlete. Um, uh, and I'll do the same thing when I am feeling rushed or inclined to skip training for whatever reason, I will go on Instagram and check those folks out. Very cool. Yeah, man. There's like, do you follow calisthenic Kings or, uh, there are a number of them. There's like calisthenos, I think is a Greek, <laughs> Greek guy. There are a bunch of them. I mean, there's so many, of course, There, there are only maybe six to 10. Um, there's a guy, I want to say his name is Trevor Blackwell. Um, I'm also following some Olympic weightlifters. Or guys who do, uh, Olympic lifts, uh, who are beasts, just because that's another thing that I'm kind of focused on at the moment. Uh, but, uh, that, that's a, that's a much longer story. Uh, let's, let's, let's flip gears a little bit and talk about some of your business rules or guidelines. Uh, and I know you've, you've mentioned before, I think the 411. Uh, and I was hoping you could elaborate on that and maybe talk about some of your other guidelines or rules that you have.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so come back to some of the business things that have worked really well. I mean, what I've learned, I'm, I'm noticing my brother's you know, starting his own business. Um, and you know, Neville, as a guy I mentioned earlier, is trying to get certain things organized. And I realized that like simple rules are actually the easiest way for you to be successful. Uh, and so the 411 is specifically for AppSumo, and you could you know, apply it to yourself. But we basically were like, how many deals do we need to do a month to be successful? And then we can just follow that rule. So for AppSumo, it's four one one, which is just like four deals a month, one free deal, one promotion of an internal product every month. And as long as we do that, we're successful. And th- that's for us. But for yourselves listening, how can you create simple rules like once a week I have to do a blog post, once a week I have to make a sales call, and do the one one, one thing, which every week you do with that one activity. And I've just noticed the more that we have simple rules, it just makes it a lot easier for us to be accomplishing those things and we check in on them. And so it just makes a life a lot easier and a lot more effective and likely that they'll be accomplished.
0: Do you use a Google spreadsheet or project management stuff like a Basecamp or an Asana or Trello or whatever? How do you actually keep on top of that stuff with your team so that it doesn't just get written down on a piece of paper and lost along the way? Exactly. So I'll call it I call it the Susan Sue formula uh,
1: or the, the angry Asian mother formula, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> So Susan Sue is this five foot nothing Asian chick who's like the, the, one of the most badass chicks you'll ever meet. And so she came and ran sales for us for about a year or two years ago. And what she did, and you know, they do it. We do it on the sales team is that they check in every morning and every evening. And so Susan Sue would be like, what are three things you're going to get done today? And at the end of the day, what three things did you get done? And that was, it's definitely a lot of work, but I've been doing that with like Neville is trying to grow his email list and every morning, um, he's, you know, He's going to be like, here are things I'm going to do. And at the end of the night, he checks in with me. He's like, here's what I got done today, and here's my progress. And so what we do, what I recommend for most people, though, is I do a once-a-week check-in with everybody personally. And I find that to be the most helpful. If you want to be Susan Sue level, do it daily in the morning and evening. And that's insanely effective because it's like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I got done. And you get that stuff moving forward for sure. Um, for me on the AppSumo, at a, at a higher level, I check in every week, Uh Generally, I just I check in on person and we have a dashboard that we check in every day. Wow. Is the dashboard in Google Apps or what is the tech <laughs> so that you're using for that? The, the dashboard, you're going to be pretty surprised. It's literally something we made. It's just one number. So I'll tell you, for SumoMe, our goal uh, is to make a million dollar revenue business this year. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal for the, the business. And so we have a target of how much money you need to make a month, which is $83,000. Mm-hmm. And then we know how, so the, 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 uh, the website is literally just what is our revenue against that? It's literally one number. And if you ask anybody in our company, like, actually, I'm kind of curious to ask them. Uh, well, I don't want to walk out of the interview. But if I ask, I'll ask in my team chat right now, uh, what is our team goal for the year? And this is something I learned from Zuckerberg in terms of how to get things organized. I don't try to organize everything. I try to focus on what's my number one goal and that's what Zuck did, which is the number one goal for him was growth. And I, I think I don't know if I mentioned this story to you before, but I went to Zuck trying to get him to make money. Did I ever tell you the story? No, no, I'd love to hear it. I went to him and I was like, dude, Facebook needs to be a real business one day. Uh, let's make some money. Don't you want to like stay in business and make a lot of money for <laughs> so that we can, you know, be a company one day and really profit? And he's like, Noah, does that help us grow? I'm like, no, no, it won't help us grow, but it'll help us make money and, and make, you know, make a business. He's like, Does it help us grow? <laughs> no. And so what he did that I've applied it my businesses and that's all I ever do now, is that I pick one very specific goal. And I check on it in a regular basis. So as an example, let me just break down the SumoMe one. Our goal is a million dollars a year. I have a spreadsheet that breaks out how much money that is each month. And then we have our dashboard that shows it every day about how we're progressing towards it. And on every month, on the first of the month, I just check how we did against what I projected that we need to be doing to hit our goal. And so everyone is focused around that one goal and nothing else.
0: So I, I love this. And, uh, th- this is, this is something that when I'm, say, interviewing people and trying to obviously pick up lots of things that I can use myself. I mean, this is not just for publication. I (laughs) like talking to people like you so I can pick up new book recommendations, tools, approaches. And this is very consistent uh, when you look at the very top, top, top performers where, for instance, uh, we mentioned Peter Thiel earlier. And uh, who is not only a billionaire, but he's done it several times over in different ways. I mean, that's very, very hard to do. And he was uh, famous uh, it, it it turns out, and this could be apocryphal. I don't know if it's if it's totally true, but I think it is that at PayPal, he gave every person one top objective, and it was a measurable objective. And if they came to him, for like an office hours type of meeting or pull them aside to ask him a question about like, why don't we do this? Or, Hey, I need some help with th- such and such. He would ask them, how does this contribute to your number one priority X? And like, how is it driving the numbers forward? And if it was not related, he wouldn't talk to them about it. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, that's what we
1: do at AppSumo. I just, uh, for, for the sumo me.com product, I asked our team, I just posted on our team chat, you know, what's our goal for the year? And it, well, the guy was joking, but he put a, you know, hundred thousand monthly recurring potatoes. Uh, his nickname is potatoes, so that's what he calls money. Um, but everyone on the team knows everyone is aligned. And for Absumo in the past, it was like last year was a, a billion people seeing sumomi.com. And we got a, We hit a billion. The year before, it was a million dollars with monthly1k.com, which we did. The year before, that was half a million email subscribers. And the point is not that, wow, Noah gets everything done.
0: It's just I don't do anything else. And that comes back to the, the essentialism. Uh, book that you were mentioning earlier, which really kind of drives that point home. Yeah. I mean, and
1: obviously you come, you, you have your high level thing and you break it down. So like I was telling you, I'm, we're struggling right now with, we have two customers, we have small, medium business self-serve, and then we have enterprise. And so I have to come back and look at, all right, which helps us accomplish our goal better. And you know, that's what I have to go and spend time solving to then say, all right, well, what will help us go faster and easier hit that number one goal and then focus just on that. And then kind of keep going through that process. Like right now I get interview requests. Probably like every two days, every three days, hey, come talk to my interview. And I'm like, well, this helped me get to my goal faster than doing another activity. And it won't, so I don't do it. And that's specifically like this. Interview. I'm like, yeah, okay, Tim, you know, Tim, a few people have heard of Tim Ferriss and a lot of people will check this out. So it will be significant enough worth my time to help me really accomplish my goal. Uh, and everyone on the team is aligned with that.
0: So, so speaking of goals, I think a lot of people have goals. They're like, you know, yeah, that Noah guy has been talking about building an email list. Yeah, I know he's helping Neville. I should really do that. And they have the should do that. And that's as far as it goes, right? Maybe they take a note. Maybe they put it into their notes and their iPhone, whatever. And that's where it lives forever and it never gets implemented. So you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you would do a demo or basically give people something they can do now to, to punt the ball down a field, down the field a little bit and make some, some progress. And I think you mentioned email subscribers, uh, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong. But w- what is that exercise?
1: Yeah, man. So sumumi.com is free tools to get to grow your website. So how to
0: get a bigger email list, how to get more shares, and and just for people the, who are listening, um, I'm, I use that okay. on my blog, and it's not because I do love you, but it's not because I love you. <laughs> oh, Timothy. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. Like I think one of the things that people love about you and what I
1: respect about you is that you're about getting shit done. Like you know, for our work, because how do I get things done? How do I do less work to get more, even more things done? Uh, and, you know, you want to understand the elements of those things, and you're very curious and very specific about that. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to listen to notes, but anybody who does what I'm going to teach them to do, the highest result person, we're going to do a giveaway. I'm going to pay for it, where I will fly you to hang out with me in our office and put you up in a room, well, not a room in a hotel. <laughs> that sounded a little creepy. Uh, and I will, you know, you can work with us on any project you have for a day. We'll get you taco deli uh, for the person who actually takes action. Cause I know for you, that's really important Tim. him. And I want, I don't want you to just listen to this interview and not do shit. I want
0: you to listen to this interview, take action and make your life better. That's what would make this worth it for me. And uh, just so people have a context here, what is the deadline for doing this? Well, I'm going to give you things that you can do in real time, so I will say a
1: week from when this goes public because you should be able to do those things within that day. Yep. And right now as you're listening. So I would say if you're a week, that's already long enough.
0: Okay. Got it. So I'll just say for guys, obviously avoid. We're prohibited, blah blah blah. You can't be a minotaur. <laughs> you need to be over eighteen years of age. You can't be, uh, whatever. Dude, uh, you could take over the prices, right, man? Blah 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 blah. And uh, no, no purchase necessary. All that shit. No, um, none at all. There's actually,
1: it's totally free. And what I want to teach people is how to start a business or how to share your message with the world instantly, if you, even if you don't have anything.
0: Cool. Right and, now. And the, and so the person who does the most, you're going to fly them to Austin and show them a good time and uh, perhaps free cuddles. Also, always cuddles dude. <laughs> dude Bro hugs bro <laughs> hugs well so he, here's
1: let me just start with it like you know we did this monthly 1k product uh, monthly 1kcom that showed people how to start a business and you know 5,000 plus people and I've been able to help a lot um, and a lot of people just are like well, how do I start and I think the two things I want to say is either if you want to start a business or if you just want to get your message out there start it now so that whenever you want to do in the future I know Tim I actually read when I was studying all you know your popular interviews to figure out what stuff your audience would want to hear and you actually said, hey, I wish I had an email list sooner. So as you have books or things you want to promote or get out there, you, you can have direct communication with your audience. So I want to specifically show how anyone listening right now can get 100 people on an email list for free so that when they have a message, they can get it out instantly.
0: Yeah, let's rock, cool? let's rock and roll.
1: All right. So whoever gets the most in their email list within the week from when this goes live, I will fly you out, pay for food, pay for hotel, and help you with whatever business stuff you want to be uh, helped with. So, all right. So here's what we're going to do. You have a phone. You're listening to this podcast. Is that how most people listen to the podcast, Tim?
0: Uh, I think a lot of people are listening on their phones, maybe not exclusively, but on whatever device. But let's, let's just say you have a phone handy. Sure.
1: All right. So if you're on your phone, I'm speaking right into the microphone. Come back to your phone. Or if you're on your computer, come back to the computer and hang out. The, all right. So I want you to grab your phone. And here's what we're going to do. The, I want you to get 100 subscribers. And I'll just say it again because I think it's important. If you want 100 subscribers, it's so that if you ever want to start a business or if you ever want to promote something or share your message even, start it now so you can do it whenever you're ready instead of waiting until later and not doing anything, which will will piss me off. So if you want to get 100 subscribers, here's what I want you to do. Choose any topic you're interested in. Like Tim, let's actually, we'll do it. I'll do it live right now as well. What's What's a topic that you're interested in, Tim? Like something recently that you've been thinking about or reading or curious about?
0: Interested in the ketogenic diet, which is like the Atkins. Oh, diet. the keto thing? Yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm I'm really digging deep in that right now. Okay, so would you want to start a new newsletter? <laughs> uh, I am probably I probably have my hands full. Uh, I
1: think you're a little busy. All right, yeah. I will do the keto topic newsletter. I will get a hundred people right now on it so that I can share that message with other people, and then maybe I can t- say that Tim likes the keto diet. So choose a topic that you're curious about, interested in, you want to talk about to certain people. Here's what I want you to do. Tim, do you have your phone on you?
0: Uh, I have my phone off uh, because I didn't want it to interfere with
1: what we are doing here. But pay attention to me. So uh, that's good. All right. Well, for whoever's listening, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a photo of myself. Hi. So take a photo of yourself. Now I want you to go to your social networks.
0: And, I'll post, and I'll post all this stuff on uh, in the blog post also, which I'll give people info on. But continue now.
1: And here's what people are going to say: Well, no one, Tim, have followers, or fuck, who cares about followers? Even if you have a hundred people, don't worry about that. Doesn't matter if you have ten, hundred, or five. Take a photo of yourself. Now I want you to post it on your social sites, Facebook and Google, uh, Facebook and Twitter. So write and don't even you don't even have to sign up for a service. No, I don't have an email list. Guess what's an email list provider? Gmail. That's a great way to start your newsletter so that, you know, I just to give you context, like AppSumo is a high seven-figure business and 90% plus just comes from an email list. So just to give you context about, oh, you actually can just, the email list can create large businesses. So post in your social, I'm starting a newsletter, and then attach your photo. (laughs) You're going to see my photo on Noah Kagan. And then say email me and then put your email. So I'm going to do mine about keto because I'm curious about keto. Email me. Noah, or I'll put keto at okdork.com, and this will go to my inbox. And now I will get a list of people who will be curious about keto. So it didn't cost me any money. It took me about two seconds. So if you're on your phone, take a photo of yourself. Go to your Twitter. Then I'm going to go to my Facebook and just post it socially. I'm starting a newsletter about keto. Email keto at okdork.com. And so I just tweeted that. And now people are going to start emailing me about keto. <laughs> and so that's one t- tactic. So we're going to do with two more uh, and then you will actually probably have a 100, if not more people interested in what you want to talk about. So if you want to sell them something or if you just want to put out information, one thing I've noticed, Tim, is that one tactic that I do is in my OKDork.com newsletter, I have an auto reply when people join that say, what's one thing I can help you with? And then they tell me their questions. And that's actually businesses. Yeah. People say, hey, no, I want help with this. And basically, you just look for the pattern of what the constant questions people keep asking you. And you say, hey, email list, I'm going to create a book about this. It's 10 bucks. You pay me via PayPal, and I go make it. And this is what I've taught five thousand people, and and they do it, and they get businesses. The problem too is people are like, it can't be that easy, because they're looking for some magic bullet or some golden trick or something more complicated. But it's not. It starts with one customer and helping one person. And this is the way you can actually start it while you're listening to the podcast, instead of waiting to eventually start your business.
0: Definitely no, I, I and I've seen, uh, you know, there are people out there like Neil Patel has done some very similar stuff, right? I mean, he's he's been like. Pay me this, and then I will add you to this email list. It's so simple and makes a ton of money. I mean, there are. It doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, if it is really complicated, it's probably not the right answer. So, so you said there were a couple of other things that people should. Yes. Do.
1: So you posted it. I posted mine on Twitter, and then post it on your Facebook, and have people email you to subscribe. That's number one, and they just email you. You don't need. You don't need any software. You don't need to sign up for MailChimp, which is free, but that's complicated. Just keep it really simple. Secondly, go to your email signature. So, Tim, for you, on your settings, on your phone, so if you have an iPhone, go to, I don't even know what Android, who uses Android. Um, but on iPhone, go to settings, mail, and scroll to the bottom to your signature. On your signature, say, reply to me if you want the latest tips on keto. And so if you already have a mailing list, make sure you update your signature on all your accounts on a regular basis. So unlike my personal one, it says, come eat tacos with me. And people click it all the time, and then it's like, oh, you should join my newsletter. Basically, what I try to recommend people as you're starting businesses is keep it as simple as possible. Don't spend as much money as possible. And importantly, leverage the assets you already have available. What most people, Tim, don't realize is that they have at least 50 to 200 people minimum on LinkedIn that could be potential customers. But they think, oh, I got to do like a Facebook ad, which is going to cost you money. And I want to discourage that. And so I'm trying to say, how do you already have assets? Do you already have a church group? Do you already have a Facebook group? Do you already have uh, your colleagues that you can use as your customers to join your newsletter and eventually make a business out of? Because you could say, hey, I'm creating something. You should buy it. And guess what? Now you have access to these people via your newsletter. Mm -hmm. Is this, is this connecting? Yeah. I can't tell because I'm talking to myself a little bit.
0: No, no, no. This, this all makes sense. And I want to give a, just a quick, tech suggestion for people who might be like, Oh my God, but I don't have, you know, let's just say your name is, uh, whatever Bob Jones. So, uh, I don't have a bobjones.com domain. I don't, I can't, I don't know how to create a keto at bobjones.com email address, uh, gotcha. a, a workaround for that, which a lot of people don't. It's so simple. And I couldn't believe how useful this is when you figure it out. If, if your email address is, let's just say bobjones at gmail.com. If you create Bob Jones plus anything you write at gmail.com, your email will still get delivered. So you could, you could put, Hey, I'm, I'm uh, on Twitter. You could say, Hey, I'm starting a keto newsletter. Uh, email me at, uh, Bob Jones plus symbol keto at gmail.com. If you want to join, people email that and it allows it then allows you to search by that email and sort. Uh, and you don't have to set up anything new. You're just using a plus sign and some kind of identifier before the ad symbol. Um, super, super useful and expedient, expedient. What you can also do for this is if you're signing up for a new service or anything, a newsletter, you can put plus and then some identifier. So it's like, if I sign up for, you know, whatever, super, super, uh, you know, underoosheroes.com, and, uh, I, I'm like, you know, I wonder if these guys are going to spam me and I want to know if they do or if they sell my information or anything like that. I want to be able to, um, automatically send it to trash without giving them my real email address, right? So bobjones at gmail.com, that's valuable information. I don't want to be getting shit from all sorts of people potentially if they leak my information. So I'll, I'll, I'll put bobjones plus, you know, underuse at gmail.com and that way, I know if my information has been leaked and I can I can just junk that email address and have it all go to spam, for instance. So that exactly yeah, yeah, that plus approach is super helpful.
1: I don't think enough people know that one. The other thing I would add to that is do the plus filter, do that, and then in your settings, create uh, filters. Do you create so I yep. what I would do for all these people in Gmail is I don't know these other services and most people use Gmail, but in labs of Gmail, in your settings lab, turn on can responses and enable it. Then what you do is create a filter. So whenever, and you can do this in the search box really easily. So I said keto at okdork.com or I could do my email address, which is Noah Kagan plus keto at gmail.com, which is what Tim was suggesting to you. And so what you do is you search two at, you know, keto at okdork.com. And I've already got Tim, I've already got, uh, two people emailing me for the newsletter.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And so what you do here is you click the little down arrow and you click filter messages like these and you create a filter like this or it, you now it says you know create a filter with this search and what i would do here is i have a can response that look i'm not even having to create any software so send a can response and the can response would be one i create that's like hey what are you interested in learning about keto and they would just tell me what i should be creating for them and possibly even selling them in the future
0: definitely and i and i want to point out just a couple things well actually before i do that are there any other steps or recommendations and then i have just a couple of observations That I think might be helpful for people who might still Um, find this intimidating.
1: Yeah. What what I want you to do is if you have a phone, you can do this right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to pay for anything. And you could start your business instantly, which I've never seen anyone do before. But you can do it with the technology we have available for free. So number one, post it on your social. Post it on Facebook and Twitter. I put a photo because it's a little more apparent. Maybe you want to put a little more text. And just give them the email address to email you to join. On your signature, I wrote this, Tim, which I think you'll appreciate. It says, for on my signature on my phone, it says, reply to me with a hell yes if you want the latest keto news. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And I've actually used that in some of our sales collateral, and it works really well because people are like, oh, hell yes, sure. And so now I'm going to, I do it for sales, but you can put it in your signature, and now that's done. so in every 50 emails I send every day, on average, I now have probably about two to five of them being like, oh, yeah, cool, hell yes. I'm like, what are you hell yesing about? Um, but set up your filter, and they get the reply, and then now you have the questions to be answering. The last thing I would say um, that is really cool is go to your Tim. Do you have favorites on your phone? Yeah, yeah, I have favorites. I'm actually really curious. That's fascinating. Who's on your favorites, man? Uh, my phone is off, so I'm not sure. <laughs> no, you know who's on your. Don't act like that. Yeah, Who, who's on your favorites? No, no,
0: I'm not sure. Honestly, I'd have to look at it.
1: I know I'm not. I don't talk to you that often, but uh, like on my favorites is just like my brother, my girlfriend, a few other people, like my coworkers. Um, Go to your favorites, because it's the easiest one not to have to think about, and just click on their names and then text them, hey, man, can I send you information about keto? It's cool diet information. What I want to go back to that point that was critical and I thought most people probably ignore is that just go to the people that already like you. If they won't even buy from you or are interested from you, it's only going to get harder. <laughs> it will not be easier. And what I want to do is, you you know, you took your assets, you used it, you had set up some passive things like your signature, and t- text the people that are your favorites. And if they don't know someone then you ask for a referral. Hey man, do you know any person that's like a fatty or anyone who's like crazy into health that might be interested in keto news? And this is just basic. Obviously, we can get more fancy and complicated, but this is the way that it starts. This is how you get that first customer. This is how you start the Facebook or Google or Amazon or Microsoft.
0: No, I I started interject. I just wanted to say to people a few things. Number one is keep in mind you can always abandon the project. I think a lot of people are like, "Well, but I don't know how to run a newsletter. I don't really want to commit to another part-time job. Oh my god, like what happens if blah, what happens if this, what happens if that?" It's like, "Look, you can always just send an email to these people and be like, "Hey, had a, a huge fire pop up. The the keto newsletter is going to have to wait. Sorry guys, might have more newsletter." And then you're done. You've, you you don't ha- it's not a major life commitment that yeah, man. you're not getting I mean, that you're not getting married to the newsletter uh, in like an Irish Catholic family. I mean, it's like you, you, you have <laughs> options here and it to- happened to me, Tim. It yeah. happened to me, uh,
1: six months ago. I started an events business to show people how to start an events business where I sold tickets and then I made events. And then I was like, I kind of don't want to keep doing events cause I'm trying to run Appsumo and sumo me. <laughs> and so I just refunded the difference to people. And it, you know, it, it's very straightforward. It's yeah. always, always with integrity and just letting people know the expectations.
0: And just, just to actually, uh, add another example. So I've done this many, many times and sometimes things don't work out or you don't like it and you quit. So I tried to make a membership site, a very inexpensive membership site as an experiment ages ago for $10 a month or something like that. And it turned out that I just, at least at the time didn't like managing it and the technology wasn't great. So the experience wasn't perfect. And I was like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's too much psychic drain. It's not worth the trouble. So I refunded everybody. And there were, there were several, several hundred people probably I refunded everybody, everything that they had spent and just shut the thing down. And, uh, you all, you almost always have that option, but there are other things like the podcast. I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to like this internally. I'm going to commit to doing six episodes as an experiment and then I'll reassess it and I might ditch it and I'll just be like my mini series of podcasts and it worked out. So I kept on doing it. Um, the, um, so, so bringing it back to the competition then for those people who are listening, they're like, yes, I, hell yes, I want to compete. Uh, guys, you can find the blog post for this episode at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast, all spelled out. And in the comments, you have to leave your results and you have to leave your results, uh, just to make it easier for everyone on my side to manage. You're going to have to put hashtag Noah at the top of your comment. And if you can't follow that set of instructions, we're not going to look at your comments. So do that hashtag Noah at the top of the comment. And uh, what should they include in their comment, Noah?
1: Yes. So two things. There's going to be, there's, there's definitely people on your audience. Like your audience is awesome. Like I've met a lot of people that, and they're all over the world. And they're like, yeah, I love Tim. And now my life has changed from it. So I know that there's already people who are kicking ass and running successful businesses. So you're like, well, Noah, I already have a successful business. I'm in Australia. Uh, <laughs> that was
0: a great Australian accent. Was that pretty good? That was like
1: an Australian, like kangaroo, British accent. Um, so I'm looking more for the people who are taking action. So if you already have a mailing list. Take action on really significantly growing that on the seven days. I'm looking for people who have the biggest results either from zero to a hundred or from a thousand to a hundred thousand. And so what I really want to see is what have you done to really grow your mailing list in the next seven days from when you listen to this? And for the people, just to remind you, if you have, if you don't have a mailing list or if you don't have a business or if you have a business, this is the best way to communicate with your customers whenever you want to sell them something. Or even if you just want to share your message with the world, you have direct access to something that how often do you check your email? I know how often I check mine. Uh, it's it's a lot, especially because I'm on the toilet. You know, like, oh, email, it's toilet time. Uh, that and Instagram. The second thing that I wanted to mention, Tim, so number one, hashtag know it, your comment and show me what you've done in this week and we'll full expenses flight anywhere in the world, hotel, and you get to work with us for a day. The second thing is if you already have an email list, I was talking with Tim about it, we've put together on our side, like a free no upsell, cross-sell, down sell free course uh f- for you guys. So go check it out. If you have an email list already, that it's email1k.com slash Tim. And that's fully free. There's nothing to sell there. I'm sorry. If you want to give me money, you're welcome to, but not with this. Uh, And that will be, it's 10 experts that'll show you how to grow your mailing list on more advanced tactics if you already have one.
0: Very cool. And I will put this in the blog post as well, guys, but uh, which will have show notes and links and all sorts of other things that we talked about in this episode. But uh, just to recap. So at in the comment, if you're going to do this, hashtag Noah, your results, and what you did, quantify it whenever possible, and then I want you to end with the most important lesson that you learned in doing this exercise um, so that the comments themselves beca- become a very useful resource for everybody. Um, Dude,
1: good stuff, man. I just want to see people take action and they do it and they get results because you can do it from your phone. There's no excuse.
0: Yeah, no, there's no excuse. Uh, so let's let's do this Noah. I, I am, uh, I actually, you're, you're making me think of all the things I want to do now. Uh, so, <laughs> so and, I, well, and I know you're running a company, but I, yeah, but, but, well, we have to. We're gonna go do a flotation.
1: I'm taking my girlfriend for a surprise flotation. You ever done a flotation tank?
0: I have done flotation tank. Actually, I was introduced or finally pushed to try it by Joe Rogan. Uh, and you're talking about like a deprivation tank, basically. Exactly. Right? Yep. Have you done it before?
1: I have done it before. Um, I actually did it on a first date, which I don't recommend, but I've done it many times.
0: First date is a very, that's an intensive kind of creepy silence of the lamps first
1: date. Dude, getting in a box naked in someone's house, it's not the idea. Oh, Uh,
0: you have a flotation tank at your
1: house? No, no. I went in Austin a few years ago, there was not a, there wasn't, there wasn't public one. So they had a private one in some lady's house.
0: (laughs) That's so creepy. So
1: I was like, I swear this is legit. I'm not just trying to get you naked. I just need you to get in this box naked and I'm going to close the door on you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you on that experience, I was actually really scared because that was my first time. So I had a panic attack.
0: Wow. Wow. That's, Um, yeah, that's no good.
1: Yeah. But subsequently I've gone to like larger ones that are like super clean and legit. And um, I do it like once a month. I, I generally balance between that and Chinese massages like the reflexology because they're only 35 bucks and it's like the secret, it's a secret white people don't know. So I don't want all you guys going to do this now, but reflexology massages are 35 bucks or Chinese massage. There's no happy endings and it's the most affordable, effective massage I've ever found.
0: Huh. Yeah. I need to, I need to get on my reflexology action. I use something called a rad roller R- RAD. Mm. It's like two lacrosse balls melted together to roll out my feet each day. Uh, oh, huh. so, so these kind of like just nugget sized, recommendations, I think are really fun. So let me, if, if you wouldn't mind just in uh, sort of wrap up, I'll ask you a couple of, of rapid fire questions. You don't have to answer super, super, uh, concisely, but just to the extent possible, we'll, we'll try to do short questions and short answers and we'll do a couple <laughs> of them. No, it's uh, like, Hey,
1: could you speak uh, shortly? Not long? Just do it. I'm <laughs> like, yes, I'll less words.
0: <laughs> I use my ESL skills. <laughs> uh, when you think of the word successful, who is the first person who comes to mind and why? Evan Williams. So for those people, that he is the, I guess, uh, co-founder of Twitter, blogger, medium, uh, all all around baller. Why, why is that? So, you
1: know, I think it's easy to do a business once and be successful. I think when you can do it multiple times, you're a badass. Um, and I, success is very relative to how you define it, but if it's money or if it's if whatever it is you want it to be. Um, I think from like a business creation and and making society better, Evan is very interested in communication and he didn't, you know, it's pretty big that you did blogger. I think most people do blogger and tap out. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, it's like Elon Musk. He did one thing, you know, he's already he sold a company and then he did PayPal and then he did another one. It's like him and Evan Williams is just like, holy moly. You don't just do it once. You do it many times. Um, cause it's easy to hit a home run once, but to do do it consistently, just, I, I think the consistency of it and dedication is what's really impressive to me about that.
0: No, I agree. And and what's also impressive and really inspiring about that is generally speaking, the guys who have that type of consistency or gals and do it repeatedly are doing it for reasons other than the money, uh, because they already have more money than God in, in some of these cases. And it's, it's really about the mission. And I think that's partially why some of them, like Ev, you know, I've spent time with Ev and he's, uh, he comes across as a happy guy. You know what I mean? It's, uh, and that's not. and well, but does it surprise you? It's incredibly surprising because the 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 type A personalities that I usually run into, who have made hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, are so driven that they they have trouble appreciating anything that they have. And I don't feel like that's the case with Ev. Um, so the, all the more impressive to me that he's able to
1: yeah, maintain
0: man. that uh, type of perspective. Uh, okay, do you have any favorite movies or documentaries? Uh, yes. So my favorite
1: movie immediately is Commando. It's a horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger movie so from the 80s. Amazing. Oh my God. It's, it's great. I just, I don't know. As a kid, I watched it over and over on beta tapes, which you youngins probably don't know about. Um, I love, con- uh, two other ones I think are just really well done. It's Count of Monte Cristo. Oh yeah. I
0: haven't, uh, I haven't seen that.
1: Oh, it's just such good revenge. If you just want to get revenge, like you have an ex-girlfriend or something, you watch this guy and you're like, oh, I need to be like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a recent documentary called The Jinx. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, dude, you're going to blow your mind, What is which I don't think everyone wants you to do, and no one wants you to do, but this guy blows people's minds with his gun, um, and he gets away with it. Huh. It's a documentary? It's it's a documentary about Robert Frost, which you probably have heard his name or seen his name somewhere, but they just like, they get you, and the ending is just insane. Don't, if you haven't watched The Jinx, go watch The Jinx and thank me later.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I'll throw out another one for people who like documentaries. King of Kong. King of Kong. Hmm. Uh, or man on wire. You can look at those two and then, and then choose one to suit your tastes. Uh, what, uh, advice would you give to How old are you now? No, 33, dude. I'm like dead in the internet zone. I'm like internet years. I'm old. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah, you are a dinosaur. Uh, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? (sighs) <sighs> uh, and <laughs> i say 25 first, oh. i've been asking i've been telling people 20 but we're fucking everybody's a fucking idiot at 20 yeah, in, um, I, yeah you know, I was gonna like,
1: say condoms yeah I was say morning after pill condoms no um you know i'd say that the number one thing that I, and here's the thing i think a lot of these things people can hear and then they just discard so let me just tell you how to do it so get a mentor but you're like i don't know how to get a mentor here's what you should do Email the person that you respect the most, that's done the thing you want to do, that you know right now. Like, get have your phone and text them or email them, be like, "Hey, I think you're the really best person I know in this space. Like, can I meet with you on a regular basis?" And if they're like a person who's too busy for you, ask them who they'd recommend. Like, who do you learn from locally or internetly or wherever that I could just talk to on a regular basis? And I really wish I would have been more active in securing that. And you don't have to go try to get Peter Thiel or Tim Ferriss or Noah King because we don't want to help you. Like we want to help, like we don't,
0: we're busy doing well, things. That, we want like, to help at scale. It's, it's hard. You know what
1: I, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. See, that's why we have Tim. That's He's a where the,
0: I'll use the ugly word, the ugly S word in that capacity. But
1: and yeah. so it's not that I don't want to help people. It's just like, I don't have the capacity to help as many people as I'd like. And so when I was 25, I think I would have spent more time finding someone that's done the things I want and helping them and having active uh, meetings with them to be like, Hey, you've already done where I want to go. Why don't I just learn it from you instead of wasting all the time that I had to do. Um, number two at 25, I'd work for free. So I would go help that person. So email your friend be like, yo, can I meet with you? I'll help you with whatever you want. And if they don't, if they're not busy, ask who they'd recommend. Uh, and then third, I'd really just kind of look at your phone or your internet browsing or in your home and look at the products or services that I was using at today right now and go work for those companies. So when I was 25 and I did do this and I'm really happy to do this, but I was like, I just like Facebook. I'm going to go try to work there. I just love personal finance. I did a personal finance workshop this morning with my team because I just love talking about money. Um, And so I went and worked at Mint. So go and try to surround yourself or put yourself in places uh, doing the work that you really want to be doing. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is just look at what you're already enjoying and then go like, think about if you could do that all day.
0: Absolutely. And some other related uh, bits. I just actually heard this yesterday from someone, um older gent actually, who's – uh he's not above asking for mentorship and um, I usually discourage people from using the word mentor or mentorship because it's just – it screams unpaid full-time job. So I, if, <laughs> if you're going to pitch people, don't use that wording. But uh I think the work for Free Piece is huge and what he he said, he got one of the biggest names in Silicon Valley to – mentor him effectively although he didn't call it that because he said pretty much the same thing he emailed this guy out of the blue and said I really respect what you've done with a B and C I've read everything about it um, here are things I've done if you have something that might be sort of credible if not that's fine and then he said I, I know you're working on a book uh, I would love to ask you some very specific questions for every hour that you spend with me I will spend four hours proofreading your book or helping you with the book pro bono and that's how he got the first meeting and then the guy agreed to meet with him on an ongoing basis for uh more than a year and never took him up on the proofreading offer even though that was sort of the sugar that that made the pill go down um so that that's a really important point and uh charlie hone has some good writing on this Ooh, H- it's H- a- h-o-e-h-n on on working for free it's really hundred percent uh, also that's a book- Oh, uh, oh no! Go for it.
1: No, no, no. His book, "Recession Proof, Proof Graduate," is just epic for younger people starting out. Yeah, or anyone, uh, or anyone who's starting over or trying to reinvent themselves. Really, really, the other good. thing, Tim, I think you said, which is super true. And I just want to highlight it for everyone listening: is don't email people. And be like, hey, I'll help you with anything. Because I'm like, well, now I have to think about what to do, and you're going to be a shitty free labor person. Yeah, like that's the worst. Because you're like, Tim, how many emails do you like? Roughly, how many emails do you get a day? Like, hey, I want to work with you. Can I hang out with you? Can I have coffee with you? From people you don't know.
0: Uh. At least 100 a day uh, Holy to, shit. To, to my team or me if they manage to somehow, you know, spam 100 emails and get one, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, it's interesting to think about, like, how do you, how does the
1: person stand out to actually get a hold of Tim? And so here's how you do it. You won. Someone told me this yesterday. And I loved it. It was called the swipe, the one thumb rule, which is your email should be able to be one thumbed on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was yeah. a pretty good way. I thought that was a good way of looking at the one thumb rule. The second thing is don't tell Tim. You can study Tim all day. All of your stuff is public, most of it, that you're working on or thinking about. Go study Tim and do the work, then send it to Tim. There's a guy, Brian, at videofruit.com. And Brian does this for a lot of people. He emails you and he's like, hey, I made this video for you. Hey, I did this marketing role for you. Hey, I did this document for you. Here, I just sent it to you. I'm not expecting shit. And then you're like, well, damn, this is really good. What else can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of emailing Tim like, hey Tim, we should just like can I help you? I'll be a free intern just so I can learn pick your brain.
0: Yeah, and I don't uh I don't reply to any of those. And I'll it, number one because I don't have the capacity. And I think for a lot of tasks like that that are and don't make no mistake, that's a task that I have to I have to do that instead of something else. Um a piece of advice that I got from someone that uh, I'm blanking on who said this to me, but they said, and it was so, I was like, wow. Okay. That is great. And it, it's, it, it's, it sort of uh, comes back to your point about doing your homework. And they said, if someone hasn't done their homework to determine if something is a fit, I don't have the time to explain to them why it isn't a fit. And I was
1: Ooh. like,
0: isn't that good? Damn!" And I was, yeah, and I I, like that. And I was like, oh man, that is a, that is a gem. And, uh, so the, when I have ended up, um doing, uh, you know, for instance, ending up working with Charlie or whatever is number one, they, they did something of value that was highly specific and indicated they'd done a lot of homework, uh, that was very helpful and they didn't expect anything in return, but they did such good work that I was like, like you said, I was like, huh, wow, wow. What else can this guy do? Uh, or, you know, maybe maybe someone's like, hey, here's a, you know, a, 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 a tr- uh, this is not an example. Please, I don't need a thousand of these sent to me, guys. But, like, here's a summary of Podcast X, and I thought this would be <laughs> useful for you to use as a PDF. Has uh, my logo all over it. <laughs> yeah, well, or, <laughs> but if they're like, hey, if you want me to do a few more of these, like, I have some dead time between now and blah, um, let me know, but if, if I don't hear back from you, no problem, right? And I think another pr- another mistake a lot of people make is they and I and I've been guilty of this in the past, you know. And I look back at some of my behavior when I was just getting started, and I like cringe because it was in retrospect. I'm like, no fucking wonder I didn't get any responses. Uh, if if you send emails like any of what we've described today, and you don't get a response, don't take it personally. And that's easy advice to say, but I would take it one step further. And the way you don't take it personally is assume that the people who don't respond have excellent reasons for not responding. Right, and uh, like maybe someone in their family is sick. Maybe they're trying to take care of their kid who's having trouble at school. Maybe fill in the blank. Just assume they have a good reason for not responding. And um, there's another expression. Uh, God, I wish I could remember who who told me this. But you know, don't attribute to malice that when, that sh- that which can be explained by incompetence. But I would modify that, and I would say <laughs> don't don't attribute to malice what can be explained by incompet- incompetence or just busyness. Right, So just because someone doesn't get back to you right away or just because someone sends you a short email and misses something, uh, don't immediately assume that it's because they're trying to fuck with you uh, or because they don't respect you. I see so many people get wound up and they're like, oh, my God, so disrespectful. Oh, my God, so blah. And they shoot themselves in the foot. And I've been guilty of that myself. I, I think that I'm pretty quick to anger and very impatient. So it's taken a lot of effort to try to sand down the rough edges. But um, another – just one last tip uh, is – uh, for finding mentors, a great way to do that is to volunteer for local business organizations that host events. That's what I did when I moved to Silicon Valley. So you can volunteer at events where they have local icons or business leaders coming to speak, and you get to interact with those people. And if, if you're volunteering somewhere, by the way, it does not give you license to do a shitty job. And most people think that's true. So you can stand out just by doing twice what you're asked to do as a volunteer. And that's how you get to know people like I did. I got to know Jack Canfield who co-created Chicken Soup for the Soul. And then many years later, introduced me to the guy who became my agent who sold the 4-Hour work Workweek. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So, so Noah, next question. Uh, what is the purchase that you've made in the last, say, six months for $100 or less that has had the greatest impact on your life?
1: Purchase in the last six months? That was it.
0: I would say one, I purchased it around that time, but it's my Nutribullet. I don't know what that is. It's the Magic Bullet's Bigger Brother. The Magic Bullet, which is not a sexual device, it's a blender. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it it could be
1: in some weird ways. Um, But the Nutribullet is basically like, I like smoothies, I like my protein shakes, I like blending up things, Um, but it's always a pain in the ass to clean. Right. And this you could just blend, drink out, and wash out, and there's no cleaning. And every time I get, this is like the gift I give to most people. I'm like, dude, if you don't have a Nutribullet in your kitchen, like you're missing out. Uh, and it's just really effective for like blending anything and getting it. In. Like I have a Vitamix, which is like a $500 blender. Uh, and I just don't even use it anymore.
0: It's a lot of cleanup for that thing. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. It's like I have to get a cleaning lady to assist me to clean that thing. Uh, and the Nutribullet you can do, you know, in 20 seconds or less. And it's just been really effective. And it's one of these things like if you don't have it, I just buy it for people because that's what I know they need.
0: Very cool. Well, action-packed. I uh, love how many things we were able to cover. And um, yeah, I would love to hear uh, what people think and also the competition people can check out. So go to fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast to check that out. Uh, one more thing I'm going to mention for folks is that uh, you and I both were on an episode of the Tim Ferriss experiment and coached someone through launching their business and went through a lot of, of information that we weren't able to cover in this episode, like creating call scripts and Tons of challenges like the coffee challenge and so on. So, that I think people would enjoy checking out. But where can people learn more about you, Noah, find you online, etc. cetera?
1: Yep. Uh, number one thing for my personal stuff is going to be at okdork.com, okdork.com. And business related, if you know, for the tools and every, a lot of the main things I was talking about, it's going to be at me.com. That's a lot of the, the business that we've been building and
0: recommending for most people. Awesome. Uh, anything, any parting advice? Or thoughts that you'd like to give to folks? I would. I would. Two other things, because I looked at,
1: and this is kind of a thing, like, I I think there's a a ratio of how much you invest in something to how much you get out. So if you're sending cheap emails to people like Tim or a customer or anybody you want, and you're sending a quick email, you're probably not going to get a response because you're not investing that much. So I invested in researching shows and comments to see what is going to make this the most popular episode ever. And that's what I want it to be with the number of comments. So make sure you go comment, uh, even if you don't do the challenge, but two other things that a lot of people were asking about. Um, you know, we did morning ritual, but you guys asked, what do I listen to while working out? And I want to share some of my favorite rap artists.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's
1: do it. your audience. So if they want to get, they want to get pumped up. Um, the, I listen to a lot of like hardcore rap and I get mixtapes from datpiff.com. How do you, um, how do you spell that? D A T P I F com. Hmm. Uh, so I can't, I'll, sh- send, I'll send, I'll send, I'll send you my Spotify playlist too for my workouts. Um, but the guys I listen to a lot lately are like Travis Scott and Wale's new album. Those two have been going really strong. So if you're going to work out, go check out, uh, Travis Scott and Wale.
0: How do you spell Wale? Uh, W-A-L-E. Uh huh. Wale. Do you have any music you listen to that you're embarrassed to admit you listen to? Uh, mostly emo, which is just going to be like
1: Promise Ring. It's like kind of crying and crying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm a little bitch. I'm a little bitch. Um, the, so that's number one. I listen to Promise Ring. Um, a lot of their stuff is good. The other thing, Tim, when you guys talked about alcohol, and yep. people seem to like alcohol recommendations. So uh, if you're a tequila fan, Casa Amigos is affordable and delicious. Hmm. And it's uh, George Clooney's tequila, and it's phenomenal. I drink the Reposado. Uh, if you're a little ex- more expensive, which is the best for the price, it's called Classe Azul. And that's $100 a bottle or $89, and it's a porcelain white bottle. And it's insane if you like tequila.
0: Is that what you order when you walk into a bar? Do you just... it's, uh,
1: it's normally $20 a shot, so it depends on my mood. <laughs> I'm like, $20 a shot? I have the bottle at home. I could wait. I'll just get a soda water. <laughs> uh, and, and, or if, uh, if you're a whiskey fan, Balcones Single Malt. Anything by Balcones. It's the uh, number one whiskey in the world. Uh, it's a uh, Texas whiskey.
0: Balcones. B-A-L-C-O-N-E-S. Yes, sir. Awesome. All right, Noah. Well, we will have some tequila and tacos in Austin soon. Oh, my soon. God. That sounds awesome. Uh, thank you so much for the time, man. Uh, and everybody, uh, be sure to check out all the notes and goodies and links and recommendations, Spotify playlists, etc., cetera, at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast.